Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. everyone to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ and with me here as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there is no shame in his game because he is always the same. That's me. Before we begin today's podcast, we're going to be doing things a little differently. Um, We are going to talk about Islanders play and about woeful personnel decision making abilities by Barry Trotz. We're going to start off though on a little bit of a different uh, topic of discussion. Um, we found out yesterday, late Friday evening, uh, during the Arizona Coyotes against the uh, New York Islanders game, um, Clark Gillies, Jethro, passed away. And uh, the impact that he had on the Islanders during the dynasty time period and era was was something special. And, and we wanted to pay homage and, uh, and speak a little bit about the impact that he had uh, to this organization. So that's how we're going to start off today's podcast is talking about Clark Gillies, and then we will talk about the Islanders because I don't want to mix between negativity when we're talking about Clark Gillies or anything of that nature. Um, but if you're new here to the channel, um, we welcome you, number one, to subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and follow on Twitter. We go live every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, if the Islanders play a game, you can find us doing a live stream coverage of the game as long as it's not on a Thursday and a Sunday. The only reason we don't do a live stream coverage of the game on Thursday and Sunday is because we have another podcast called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Now, that's just a sports podcast where we talk sports and shoot the shit and cover big live game sporting events. You can find that in the link in the description below and also on the featured channel section on YouTube where it's TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Like, for example, we'll be covering the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs game live on that channel tomorrow. But Grump, I want to ask you a little bit about impact that Clark Gillies had in the passing. I know we had talked about it and emotions were kind of, you know, up there yesterday. And I wanted to kind of have, I just want to open the floor for you, Grump. Okay. Uh, A truly beloved member of the Islanders fraternity. One of the core players from the dynasty era, the first one to pass away. And uh, just, I guess because it was so sudden. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like you heard about sickness for a while or had anything that would be like, okay, this is, you know, he's a precursor that, you know, his health is, you know, in decline or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, I thought the tribute that the Islanders did for him tonight was just really, really well done. Really well done. Uh, You know, and Clark just mentioned, you know, he lived life to the fullest every day and that's how he planned on doing it. And he certainly did. And uh, people, you know, when people think of the Islanders, it's always, you know, who is your Mount Rushmore, right? Clark Gillies has to be up there with uh, Potvin, Bossy, and Trottier. I mean, that's your that's your uh, Mount Rushmore of players. And like I mentioned in the live stream, 
there was no such term as power forward back then, but he was the quintessential power forward, someone who could instill fear, which was certainly part of the game back then in opponents, which enabled Mike Bossy and Brian Trottier to perform at the level that they played on because no one was going to mess with them when they had Clark Gillies on the ice. I mean, Gretzky had the same thing when Semenko was playing out there with him. And, you know, but you need guys like that. So it lets your skilled players, and I'm not saying that Clark wasn't a skilled player, but his game was, you know, more forceful in nature. Uh, so he enabled the skilled players like Trottier and Bossy to do their thing without fear of retribution from other teams. And like I said, he wasn't a guy who dropped the gloves all the time. Uh, but when he was getting into a fight, you knew things were serious and he'd always take care of business. I mean, he was super tough, was the second captain or captain in Islander history right after number 18, Eddie Westfall. Um, and just, uh, you know, from everything, you're just a super wonderful guy, uh, which is more important, honestly, than anything else with his work with the community and, uh, you know, all of his philanthropic uh, endeavors that he had. So uh, truly will be sorely missed and uh, just a fantastic player. Uh, I'll always remember his battles against Boston that first cup year against Terry O'Reilly. And, and here we're seeing one right now live. And I mean, they were going at it. And I tell you what, that was a tremendous series. And he'd never back down from anyone. Just a fantastic player, fantastic person. And he'll be sorely missed. You look at, and again, like how the game has changed. You talk about the Mount Rushmore. And I think that's a good point, right? There was no such thing as a power forward at that time period. When you just look at stats, you might say, again, for people who aren't familiar with the Islanders, you might say, Clark Gillies, well, he didn't put up, he didn't amass a lot of goals and assists. How could a guy like this be in a Hall of Fame? He doesn't have, you know, a thousand points, doesn't have a million goals, a million assists. He doesn't, you know, on, on a stat sheet, he might not be there, but you're right. He was the first person to have, you know, to be that ultra physical, never bow down when, when you know, when, when the bell had to be answered type of player who also had the finesse and the ability to put the puck in the net. He was the first powerful forward it's right grumpy i mean for his size you know gordy howe was a powerful but he was only like six foot or six foot one which was big at that time but you know clark gillies was six foot four and uh you know he, there were other guys who were big uh who could play the enforcer role but didn't have the talent to put up a whole lot of points clark gillies had that he formed part of the uh trio grand line which like i said was bossy trottier and himself and like I said, he was a pleasure to watch. One of my favorite players uh, growing up as a kid. I always loved watching him. And, you know, his death makes you feel kind of mortal, at least at my age, because he really was not very much older than I am at all. And, and and here's the thing is here's the thing too, Grumpy. You talk about the impact he had. Like you look at Anders Lee and and you know the stories that you know people even past Islanders and present Islanders have talked about about you know the impact that Gillies has had on them as a person. I want a great guy. You hear it again. We hear it in the comment section here. Hey, I used to drive the limousine there for him. Fantastic person. Treated you as an equal. You know what I mean? Just treated you like a normal person. And again, like to have that. It, it, it's it, it speaks a different level to the character of Clark Gillies as well. High character individual, super high character. Mm -hmm. And he can throw a punch with the best of them. There's, this is, <laughs> this was against O'Reilly. Like I said, man, it, hockey was great back then. I'm sorry. It's better than today. Yeah. And, and I mean, you look at Anders Lee's reaction post game. I mean, the guy, Matt looked, Martin, was, even more so Matt Martin, even more so. 
you think about think seriously think about the players that are you know not necessarily hey i'm the most skilled player in the world i'm a player that really has to you know fight it out in order to make my way in the nhl i don't make my way in the nhl based off of talent i make it based off of effort i make it based off of doing the intangibles i make it based off of fighting and sticking up for my teammates matt martin you talk about guys who would idolize a person like clark gillies this clark gillies is the pinnacle for a lot of these people it's like i wish i could be like clark gillies for those people who are more you know hey i've got to fight my way into the league i've got to be able to stick up for teammates teammates i mean I, I i wouldn't be shocked at all if that was one of matt martin's idols growing up he said in his interview that when he grew up he wanted to be clark gillies for certain i was about to say i know like you know you don't just pick up fighting one day as a hockey player right you're like oh, okay just the first fight happened i was really good at it so i continue to fight and you're like okay i can i can i can i can relate with clark gillies i'm a guy who fights too and the guy puts a puck in the net he scores goals he you know he puts up assists he's loved by his team and he also fights and sticks up i wish i could be clark gillies. that's about to say yeah so those type of players i'm sure he's not the only player that clark you know that that was an idol or clark gillies was his idol and you know you mentioned about you know you just don't pick up fighting well that's true like dean youngblood had to learn from his dad in the <laughs> barn before the big game against uh you know the must uh the i don't know the other team's name but carl racky you knew he was gonna have a rematch with him from youngblood it's called the a little young blood um and, and again like it's it's so odd and like it's so the timing is it's so quick grumpy nobody was expecting anything like this and again we'll more fight here and 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 we'll talk again a little bit more about the impact but you're right a guy would i mean fights anyone and everyone out there for certain grump yeah the guy who he uh said he really hated fighting was ben wilson who was one of those punks from the flyers back there in the day he said wilson was probably his toughest toughest combatant um, but like I said, he didn't fight a hole. I didn't have to, um, you know, his rep was, you don't want to get him angry. You know, one of those type players and he'd stick up for a teammate just like everybody. And he was one of the catalysts, you know, for that cup run without a doubt. And, uh, like I said, certainly one of my favorite players of all time, without a doubt, mm -hmm. always, I mean, Clark Gillies, like I said, I love the tribute that they did for him tonight. And I just want to compliment Islander fans once again because they were so quiet. You know, they had a moment of silence. Usually you could hear somebody yelling. You could hear a damn pin drop when they had that moment of silence. That's a, a credit to the Islanders organization, the Islander fans, and what they felt for Clark Gillies, a true uh, Long Islander at the end and New York Islander great. How could you not love somebody like that too? I'm just and the entire 1980s Islander team. I mean, like it's it's sad to see the first one go, and it makes yeah. again like you talk about the morbidity of it, and it's like oh my god, and we're at a time period where we could see, we could see you know people popping up there. Yeah, it's well, you get to be that age, right? I mean, you don't even think about it, and you know it makes it makes you start to feel old. I'm like, oh man, Clark Gillies died, and it's like, you know. I remember him when I was a kid and it's not like, you know, he was a hundred years old when I was a kid. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the passing of a legend, the passing of an Islander great and the impact he had was unbelievable grump. So again, uh, somber and sad in that regard for certain. And it made Arizona. And again, it made the win against Arizona, the four, nothing win against Arizona quite somber. Right. We got that news in the yeah. third period. It was from an account from some random account that we had never seen before. I'm like, well, there's no blue check marks. The Islanders haven't mentioned it on the broadcast. Well, if they surely haven't mentioned it on the broadcast, it didn't happen. 
and they mentioned it right after the game happened and i was just like oh wow yeah sure enough um but um and again let's kind of change and shift gears here a bit grumpy old man i want to just to first talk about the impact of you know the passing of a, a you know an islander an islander legend and uh, a hall of famer and clark gillies I mean, just talk. just just think about real quick you know they were playing boston in the playoffs last year and uh clark is in the stands and he drinks a beer he chugs it and he crashes it on his head i mean that's clark gillies and i mean like i said my brother knew him you know uh was in the bar with him numerous times uh my brother to him was that damn philadelphia that damn flyer fan and you know my brother would give him a hard time all the time and you know he'd give it right back but just such a nice a nice nice person and he said that was him so just what a shame absolutely and uh shifting gears here a bit grumpy to the islanders play um Let's let's first talk about the, the games we saw here on Friday. We played the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think necessarily we played a fantastic. We didn't have to be fantastic to beat Arizona. Arizona's a bad team, and we took care of the bad team like we should have. We beat them four nothing, and um, you know did a few bounces, maybe go our way. Yeah, I mean Sorokin wasn't tested. That we faced thirteen shots against by the Arizona Coyotes. The Islanders looked dominant from start to finish. As simple as that, and. Um, it, we weren't really tested much, but we came over with a win against a lesser talented team like we needed to grump. Yeah, for me, the uh, the last two games, I expected to beat Arizona, and I look at I look at games a little bit differently, right? I don't look at the Arizonas. How do we play against Arizona? I look at how we play against the Torontos, the Washingtons, and going forward, the Minnesotas, the L.A. Kings, who are playing better. And how are we playing against those teams? Why? Because those are the teams that are better than us. They're higher up in the standings. They're the teams that we would, if we are lucky enough to make the playoffs, that we'd have to play against and contend with. And so far this season, anytime we just have not answered the bell against a really good team, with the exception of Winnipeg and Vegas. But gosh, that was so long ago. It's like, you know, anytime we play a team with a winning record or a really good team, we just don't come out and uh, perform like we should, like we're capable of, or at least how we used to be capable of. Uh, so for me, it's really disappointing. And like I said, Arizona, we could have slept through that game, and we pretty much did to beat them. Uh, but tonight against Toronto was one of those measuring stick games once again, and uh, we came up uh, really lacking, in my opinion. Yes. Um, and, and here's the thing. Right. I, I, we talked about it before the game. We got on a little bit before the game. And I said, I really expect the Islanders, you know, as shocking as it may sound, we had talked yesterday on Friday's game during the Arizona game. I'm like, I'm not too confident we're beating Toronto, Toronto, really, really good, talented team. And we talked about a few player personnel decisions on Friday that left us questioning what we would be looking at Saturday, which we'll talk about, which was today. But we said after the passing of Clark Gillies, I really felt like, again, the team was going to be playing at a whole different level. We were going to see the playoff style and caliber of game, which we did see for a good portion in the second period where the Islanders are going to be throwing checks. They're going to be finishing their checks. They're really going to be busting into all the loose pucks. We're going to see, again, a motivated Islanders, an Islanders team that was going to step up to the calls. What I honestly thought we were going to be extra motivated with the passing of Clark Gillies to get a win there to pay homage to him. Yeah, and I thought for the most part we did. Toronto's just better than we are. 
They have more skill. They have more talent. They have more speed. Those are the teams that give us problems. Uh, you know, I've said it all year long. I said it last year. The teams that give us issues are the teams that can skate and are aggressive on the forecheck. And we saw it again tonight. They're like kryptonite to us. And, you know, you look at Toronto. Well, who can beat Toronto? Well, pretty much anybody who's kind of physical with them. That's the way you have to play them. But the whole thing is you got to catch them to hit them. And we were unable to do that tonight. And, you know, going forward, unfortunately, I just – I don't know. There's no answer for us at this point in time, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think we're good enough to beat the really good teams in the league. I think we'll clean up against the cellar dwellers. Um, but, you know, not good enough to make the playoffs. I just I just don't see it. Hmm. <sighs> Yeah, but we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about the play. Yeah, I don't. I don't foresee the playoffs either. We'll talk about some some player personnel decisions. Um, what was a shock, I think, to to you and I both, Grumpy, was for Friday's game. We dress Ilya Sorokin, and remember, we had, I talked to you about this on the Saturday podcast of last week. I said this upcoming schedule: we play Philly on Monday and Tuesday. Then Thursday we have a game against. Or I'm sorry, Friday we have a game against Arizona. And then we play here today on Saturday, Toronto. Sorokin starts the first game on Monday against Philly and looks fantastic. He saved, he was the only reason we won that game. The fantastic saves he pulled left and right kept us in that game and allowed us to beat Philly. I thought we should have then played Sorokin on Tuesday. We instead played Varlamov. Again, it didn't cost us. Varlamov led in a few weak goals against Philadelphia um, on that second game, but we still were able to come away with the win in shootout. A fantastic shootout goal by Oliver Wallstrom wins us the game. So we come out on Friday and we play Sorokin. And I was kind of questioning that. I said, well, I said Arizona's one of the worst teams in the NHL. They really struggle scoring the puck. I think that's a good game to have Volomov in to kind of help build his confidence. And you want to play Sorokin ideally against a more highly powered offensive team against Toronto. But we play Sorokin against Arizona. And I think to myself, okay, he only faced 17 shots against Arizona. Maybe we're going to see him again against Toronto. Maybe he's going to play back-to-back nights. Why not? Well, today we see Simone Varlamov in net. Simeon Varlamov in net. Um, Yikes. You talk about woeful goals. The first two goals he definitely wants back. The first one on a breakaway where the shot really doesn't get off but trickles through the trickles through the five hole of Arlmoff he wants back. And the second goal, right with less than a second left remaining in the period, he lets squeak through him. And uh, the Islanders are down two to one after Parise. I'm talking about scored a goal. It was an effort goal by Parise to tie the game up and not even a minute later we give up a we concede a goal right back the other way. And Varlamov playing tonight just makes me question again player personnel decisions by Barry Trotz. I would have loved to see hey Soroka play Monday and Tuesday the back to back. You give him Wednesday, Thursday and Friday off and you play him again on Saturday and play Varlamov against the Leicester team in Arizona to hopefully build some confidence for him. Yeah, I think what you're going to see, or perhaps this is Trotz's thinking, is since we have, in essence, a day every a game every other day, he's just going to rotate them. Bing, bang, boom. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think Sorokin should be in three out of every four games. Uh, I just don't think Barry feels that way. He feels he has two good goalies. He has infinite trust in Varlamov, regardless of him giving up a weak goal or two every single game. And we saw that tonight, and it cost us. I'm not saying we deserve to beat Toronto, but 
those two goals in the first period, particularly the last one, just kind of – I think it sucked the life out of the team. It really did. You go give up a goal in the last second. Um, I know Andy Green didn't play it well, but still Varlamov's got to do better. Week went right through the legs. And the first one, puck went off a Marner's stick and just right between the legs. It didn't even take a shot. And, you know, would Varlamov have saved – would uh, Sorokin have saved those? Possibly. Probably. But he wasn't playing. But I think that's the reason you're seeing the goaltending shift, in my opinion anyway, is because he wants to give guys equal time. I still think, given his druthers, he'd rather play Varlamov over Sorokin. He just he loves him some vets. I think we're at a time period to where we can't just say, I like what you did last year, Varlamov. We're just going to play you equal time. His performance this year has not been where it was last season. Simple as that. And I don't think magically he's going to turn the light switch on. Goalies are streaky in nature. Some years they play well, some years they don't play well. Varlamov is not playing well this year. It's sim- simple as that. Simple as that. I mean, the weak goals he's letting in on a game-in, game-out basis are potentially costing us games and the fact that we're continuing to roll him out and and we played him against toronto his numbers historically against toronto are woeful i'm talking about woeful a goals against average over three a save percentage of like less than a nine eight, or an eight nine nine percent he he historically has not played well against toronto which makes this decision even more mystifying and here's the thing right Barry understands and knows how they play. Trust me, he's got people saying, "Okay, uh, uh, Varlamov plays really well against uh, against Buffalo. He's he posts a nine seven goal a save percentage and a one three goals against average. You need to play him against Buffalo." Okay, uh, when we go ahead and look at Toronto, oh wait a second, uh, he doesn't play very well against Toronto. Maybe that's a game we could slide Sorokin in there. I, I, I'm sorry that so that that starts the initial question, right? Of why we're not playing Sorokin after he had a really really easy game against Arizona and why we're throwing Varlamov back out there who lets in two really weak goals. Are we going to see Barry Trotz change his ideology a bit and say, we're going to ride the hot goalie like he does in the playoffs? Are we going to say we are right now so far out of the playoff picture, we're going to have to ride the hot goalie. Maybe I'll play him a few more games than I would like to in the regular season, but we've got to get ourselves back in the playoff picture where they have to ride the hot goalie. When has he ever changed philosophy or ideology? It's not what he does. That's not who he is. He's going to play the veterans. He's going to, what if he determines he wants to do the alternate goalie situation, which let's be honest, he's done every year he's been here. Yep. That's just what he is. That's just what he does. I don't expect that to change. I I don't. He had an opportunity to break pattern this week coming back. You saw the younger players performing when Lane Lambert was the coach. You saw Sorokin standing out as a goaltender. As soon as Barry comes back, that's the end of the young guys, and now we go back to the goalie rotation. That's what I think we're going to see the rest of the way. Yeah. Or until until we're totally out of the playoff picture. Yeah, and again, we're, we're pretty much close out of the playoff picture right now. I, I, I know that we're still within you know the frame of, hey, if we, we only lose one more game here on the remainder of this home trip before the All-Star break, break, technically that's the 16 points out of the possible 22 points we need. But – 16 points to I know we have games in hands but we're still 16 points behind Boston and I look at this this I mean sprinkled in you have Toronto as a tough team Washington was a tough team Minnesota when we play them upcoming this next week that's going to be a tough team we're going to face off against and the LA Kings are an okay team but every single team that's a tough team that we've played as of recent we've lost to I mean the last tough team we've beaten if you look at the schedule 
was against the um, the Boston Bruins on December 16th. And, and that's a situation where it was like, hey, again, I'm not using COVID as an excuse, but they had a lot of players out due to COVID, and we were able to take advantage of that team and needed to. But name the last time we've beaten a really tough team. I can't, I can't find one until we have to go all the way back to December 16th against Boston. And in our defense, we haven't played many games or tough. Right, we teams. haven't played many games, but it's still over a month ago. The it's two tough teams ago. that we've played over that time period, we've lost to both in very uncon. It's more how we've looked too, right? Yeah. We lost to Washington. We looked uninspiring. We lost two nothing. Look like we never had a chance. We shouldn't have been sharing the same ice surface with Washington that night. And now we play Toronto, which is another one of those barometer test games. And Toronto skating circles around us this evening. They're winning it to every single loose puck. Yeah, we were throwing the body around, but Toronto wasn't backing down, right? With those more skilled offensive teams, you've got to throw the body around. You, that's how you try to take them off their game. Toronto didn't flinch at all. And when a team doesn't flinch when we're throwing the body around, the talent's going to win out. Talent usually wins out. You can do that over the course of a seven-game series, wear out a team. Uh, particularly defensemen, by running them, running them, running them. But in a one-game scenario, it really doesn't work. Uh, you know, and it certainly didn't work tonight. We They got a little bit more aggressive with the four-check and the hitting of uh, Toronto in the second period uh, towards the end. And I thought we carried the play in the third period. But it reminded me of Tampa Bay in the playoff series last year. They were up. They weren't really scared of the Islanders. They didn't even rush the puck. They just, you know... We'll just play the game out. They weren't worried about uh, the Islanders threatening them to score, and optimally, oh well. And that's actually what wound up happening. Okay, um, I want I, I want to kind of shift gears here a bit, Grumpy. Um, now, we talked about again the, the poor play here tonight, and uh, you know, mm. we had some plays that stood out tonight. We did, and, and again, like I liked. It's funny because I'm conflicted, right? I don't think we we looked obviously the inferior team, but there are certain things we did tonight that I was happy about. But there were so many, there were so few things I was happy about, right? I liked the fact that we were actually looked motivated, but it only looked like for like a ten minute stretch in the second period. I mean, the third period, Toronto said we're just going to sit back on our heels, we're going to lay three people back, our centered and two and two defensemen, and we're going to just only have two forwards on the four check, and it sometimes even pinned us in our own zone with only a two man four check like i look at that i'm like okay that's that's kind of a little scary but i like the way we played in the second period i like the that looked almost like hey we're playing a playoff game we really are hey we're getting we're getting up for we're trying to put the four check on we're being heavy there we're trying to fight for loose pucks it looks like we're battling i like the effort i saw out of today out of zach parise who again he's been a big effort guy but hasn't really produced many points today i thought he had i think one of his best games this season yeah, and like I said earlier, I, I heard something that's so right that people love a guy who hustles, and they tend to overvalue players like that. I thought Parisi played really well today as well, but you know what? He's not productive. Yeah, he skates hard. He skate. You know, he runs up and down his wing. I think he looks faster than he is because our team is really, really slow. But you know, he does his part. I have no problems at all with uh, Zach Parise, to be honest with you, as a guy, I like him on the fourth line, but, you know, for me, he's got two goals on the year and what, five assists, and he plays power play, penalty kill. He never misses a shift. I mean, you need more. It's not like he's getting 10 minutes a night. He's, he's, getting, he's, playing, he's playing about 14 and a half minutes every single evening. 
Yeah, so he's getting plenty of ice time. And like most Islanders this year, most veterans just hasn't been real productive. And I think we overvalue him just because of how hard he, how hard he appears to play. I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I will say though tonight, I think he he played much better than he has in the past. And um, you know the effort. And we saw production. I also saw effort all over the place. I love the fact that he's playing with like he's got his hair on fire. Um, and again, I have no problem with him playing on a fourth line. Have no problem at all with that. The issue is when we look at some player personnel decisions regarding the forward group as well that we saw this evening. Now we had talked about. And we were curious against Arizona. Um, Oliver Wallstrom was in the locker room for the first 10 minutes of action in the third period. Then he came back out there on a bench, took a shift, and then didn't really do much. It was brought to our attention by, you know, Andrew Gross. And I was wondering, you know, when it happened, we were opining, oh, was Oliver Wallstrom hurt? Did he take a slap shot off the inside part of his foot? What happened? No, he was benched during the third period so badly that he wasn't even on the effing bench. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. He, he was he was in the locker room for the first ten minutes of the third period. He was just he was just hey it was a coach's decision. I benched him in the, in the in the third period last game so badly that I said sit your ass in the locker room. What? And then you heard tonight. So tonight he gets he sits out healthy scratch, and they ask Barry about it after the game, and he goes, well it was just a coach's decision. You know he and he had to once again correct himself. Oh, he's going to be part of the future of this team. Um, at first, he said, "Well, he could be part of the future." He's like, "Oh, let me correct that. He's going to be part of the future of this team, but he needs to see more consistency." And I just find that laughable. Well, I'll play. I'll play the clip. And thanks, Drew, for sending this to me. I'll play the clip so you're able to see and hear this for those who didn't catch it. I'll let you listen to the post game clip. And from your lineup, as you recognizing uh, the person that he was, I mean that that's. Uh, that's a that's a big loss for our family. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, you, you mentioned after last night's game, uh, Wally not playing in the third period was a coach's decision. Obviously, not in the lineup tonight. What what are you looking for? You know, more out of him and and, and from your lineup as you try and you know get the right pieces into place. Well, just uh, for consistency. You know, uh, Wally can be. Uh, he is a big piece of of what we do and a big piece of our future. But there has the consistency has been all over the map for me, and and that's where I'm trying to reel it in a little bit with him and and a, and a couple guys. It, being a really good pro, and I think Wally's going to be a, a good pro, um, is the consistency level every night. And I I just thought he wasn't uh, and so grumpy. Just like you'd said, he did catch himself where he said he can be, oh, he will be. So here's the thing, a little Freudian slip there by Trotz on that and one. He says a couple of guys. Okay, Walsh. who? Kiefer Bellows? Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Walsh. Because I'll tell you what, Josh Bailey's been consistently bad all year. He's never sat out. Well, let me ask you this. Where was this thought process of consistency and this ideology on consistency when we started the season? When was where was this incorporated? When all of a sudden did we say we need to have consistent play? I believe that you need to have consistency. We were consistently awful at the beginning of this season, awful from start to finish. I mean, like think about this, John Gabriel Pajot. What have we seen out of John Gabriel Pajot? What have we seen out of Casey Sizikas much of this year? Haven't seen much. I, there's a lot of players like What have we seen out of Anthony Bavillier this year? 
haven't seen much. There's a lot of players I could say have consistently not performed this year. And it's just, it's funny that we look at a few ones. We say, oh, Oliver Wallstrom, I don't like to see the consistency on the ice. But other players can consistently play a, a bad game and play every single night. Anders Lee has been, for the most part, miserable this year. He doesn't contribute anything but standing in front of the net. Nothing. Who are the three guys he's benched this year for, for consistency issues? Anthony Bavillier, Kiefer Bellows, Oliver Wallstrom. What do they all have in common? They're all under 25 years old. That's what they have in common. Josh Bailey has been abominable. I mean, I guess you could say he's been consistently bad, so there have been no consistency issues when it comes to him. But how about just lack of performance? I mean, he gets shuffled down to the third line one game. All of a sudden, he plays with some jump. What does it tell you? It's the same thing I've been saying for two years. There's no competition for spots, no competition for playing time. Uh, certain guys are have their feet held to the fire, and other guys just flat out don't. And that's just wrong. That's To me, that's poor coaching. Absolutely poor coaching on his part. For everything he does well as a coach, that's an abomination. In my opinion, anyway. And he's, again, like as a coach, when it comes to certain areas, he's top five, top ten in the NHL. When it comes to player personnel decision, as I said this evening, he's awful. He's bottom bottom ten in the NHL. I'm talking about it, it's hard to fathom. And and let's, let's look at this one, too, here, guys. So not only did he bench Oliver Wallstrom today because of coach's decision, lack of consistency, we put Kiefer Bellows back in the lineup, but we play him on his freaking offside wing again. We play him on the opposite wing again. The guy has been a consistent left winger in first off in college in the U.S. development program in college in juniors for the one year he was there in the AHL and in the NHL. He's played at all five different levels. He's played left wing predominantly, only left wing, and he gets his first time in an appearance on right wing on the first line, then takes a seat and then, or I'm sorry, then he plays third line left wing with Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Oliver Wallstrom the next game, then takes a seat and he's back on the right wing. So two out of the last three games, as this time period, we're trying to find out and gauge whether Kiefer Bellows can be an answer for us or whether he has what it takes, you know, when Kyle Palmieri's back and healthy. We're playing Kiefer Bellows on his offside wing, something he's not comfortable and familiar with. Does that sound like we're setting up Kiefer Bellows for success? It doesn't to me. Maybe I'm. Maybe people think that, hey, we're going to throw him in a new situation. It's going to work out fantastic. It doesn't sound like that to me, though. Here's, here was, I know when Barry was out uh, uh, with COVID that he must have been pulling his hair out of his ears because he doesn't have any on his head. So he must have been pulling the hair out of his ears every time that Kiefer Bellows was producing on the left-hand side. You know he had to be bitching Lane Lambert out. Stop playing these young guys because as soon – Look at the guys who were playing well when Barry was out. Noah Dobson, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, Robin Sallow. The young guys were the guys who were producing, not the veterans, because they haven't produced all year, and that's that trend has continued. But the younger players were stepping up and getting better every single game. As soon as Barry Trotz comes back, none of those guys is produced. What's the common denominator? They didn't produce when Barry was there before. They start producing when Lane Lambert is there. As soon as Barry comes back, they're not producing again. It's Barry Trotz. And here's the thing. It wouldn't bother me if the veterans were producing, but they're not. Then you could say, okay, I'm going to ride the veterans. But when you see younger players outperforming the veterans, 
why you continue to give the benefit the benefit of the doubt to the veterans as opposed to riding the hot end, which is the younger players. And I 100% agree with you. They're setting Kiefer Bellows up to fail. Well, I don't think there's – okay, here's the thing. He's you absolutely say, setting him up to fail. You could say they're setting him up to fail, but even if you say, no, Grumpy, you're crazy, they're not setting him up to fail, at the absolute least, you could say that Barry Trotz is not putting Kiefer Bellows in a position to succeed. Think about it. When he played Kiefer Bellows on the right wing and he was asked, what did you think about the first line? <laughs> I didn't think much. He put that freaking smirk that wants you want to send him to the damn moon. I'll send you to the moon, Alice. But uh, he puts Bang. that smirk on. Even, even then, he admits he's like, well, you know, we kind of didn't put him in a situation to succeed because we're playing him on the right wing. So is essentially what he said. And what do you do? Not even, not even two, not even three games later, you put him back on the right wing, which you just had said is a position where he doesn't excel, and you position where he won't be able to, you know, won't be able to succeed. And you put himself in a position there where he can't succeed. So he knows putting Kiefer Bellows on the right wing is not going to produce good results, and still yet we do it anyway. So like when I think of player personnel decisions, we play Sorokin against the one of the worst teams in the NHL against Arizona. He's the best goalie by a country mile in this team. Varlamov could only make saves that Sorokin could. I mean, Varlamov, the save Sorokin makes, Varlamov can only dream of making. I mean, I think all three goals, I would argue all three of those goals Sorokin could have made. The third one, even though it required a quick, you know, back to fourth, we had to sprawl out and make a Spider Man type save. Sorokin's really good with side to side movement. I want to say he maybe have, could have made that save on the third goal that Toronto scored too. I'm just saying. Sorokin against Arizona, the worst team in the NHL, and Varlamov, a struggling goalie against one of the most high-powered offensive teams in the NHL, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. But here's the bigger concern. Matt Barzell looks disinterested. That's a, that's a, that's a bigger problem than people realize. I'm going to say it again. Matt Barzell, what, let's say Matt Barzell doesn't want to sign a long-term deal this offseason. And he just says, well, you know what? I'm one year to unrestricted free agency. I'll sign my one-year qualifying offer. What do the Islanders do? I mean, that tells me first of all, trade and get get rid of them. And 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 here's, and here's one of one of two things: you get rid of Trots if he says that's the problem because I want I want to play a different system. I'm sick and tired of being a a first wing grinder. That's not his skill set. That's not his skill set. So you either Get rid of trots, change the system up, or you trade Barzell. If you want to stick with, you're going to pick Barry Trotz over Matt Barzell, which would be a colossal blunder, by the way. Then you have to move Barzell. Here's the other thing, too. When we don't make the playoffs this year and we get to a point where we're selling at this year's trade deadline to acquire draft capital, to me, that puts the writing on the wall for Barry Trotz. We've seen it here with how long it takes, and still even to this day, Oliver Wallstrom is our best natural, best natural shot no doubt about it. You talk about poor decision, right? We don't roll him out until shootout until shooter number nine. Uh, he doesn't think he could say he he could be, you know, a big producer for us. I think he doesn't think much of, of Oliver Wallstrom. He thinks maybe he could be there, but he's nowhere close to that yet. And it's the reason why you have a guy who's got a top six skill set playing a bottom six role. I, again, I'm not saying it's Nino Niederreiter 2.0, but it kind of reminds me of that, right? Nino Niederreiter is a guy who's got a skill set of a top six forward when he was entering the league and you played him 
on the fourth line and you play in minimal minutes. And that's that's kind of how I look at it, right? You've got to put guys, if, they're, if their skill set is a top six, you've got to put them in a top six role. You cannot put guys like Austin Zarnak, and I love the way he's performed this year. You can't say, I'm going to give Austin Zarnak a chance to play on the first line right wing before you, Oliver Wallstrom. And again, you talk about inconsistency in his play. What do you think Oliver Wallstrom is thinking in the locker room where he's busting his ass and he, and he, and he sees, okay, Austin Zarnak, who's been in Bridgeport for the majority of the season, who's been a healthy scratch. Hold on. He's he's going to get a chance to play on the first line over me? What, what else do I have to do? I'm scoring goals at a good clip. I'm playing on a third line with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who hasn't performed this year, and Zach Parisa, who doesn't score either. I'm, I'm scoring goals and producing points on a fourth line, on a third line. And they're going to give Austin Zarnak time time over me on the first line? What the hell? I could see how that's really easy to lose focus in a game and say, well, shit, what else do I need to do? He does everything ass backwards, okay? Barry he Trotz, right? Barry Trotz. He has guys, younger players in particular, Bellows, Wallstrom, whose skill set dictates that they are top six players and should be playing in top six roles and he shackles them with bottom six roles, with bottom six players, therefore limiting what they can possibly develop into. And then he takes bottom six players, that's where their skill set dictates as you play, and he puts them on first and second lines. It's just so asinine, it almost defies description, to be honest with you. And I don't care that Oliver Wallster might turn the puck over occasionally, or Matt Barzell, or Noah Dobson, or Kiefer Bellows might turn the puck over uh, periodically. That happens. You're going to have to let them learn on the job. I hate to tell you. But here's what are they capable of doing? Outproducing all the veterans on this team this year. That's what they have done so far and are capable of. And Barry just doesn't seem to realize that or care, to be honest with you. It, to me, it's just frustrating to watch. Really frustrating. So we have that, and 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 again, I I think that Wallstrom again he hasn't been performing as of recent. I would argue today, not only did Matt Barzal not play well, you're right, he did look very disinterested. You could just look at his face; he looked frustrated. And again, add that up to whatever you want. The team's not winning games. This is not happening. That's not happening. I didn't get my chai tea latte in the morning. I don't know. He looks so frustrated. I will say that you could attribute that to whatever the hell you want, but he doesn't look very happy. It's one thing if you're winning games. And here's the thing. He was a lot younger now. He's been around the block a couple of times. Yeah. Maybe he's saying, you know what? I, I'm just not into this anymore. I'm just, you know what? I'm sick and tired of subjugating my game. You know, I want to maximize my skill set. Okay. His skill set is not as a checking center. That's not what his skill set is. I want to maximize my talent and my abilities and playing for Barry Trotz. That's never going to happen for Matt Barzell. I mean, and that's to me, it's frustrating and it's okay. You can live with it if you're winning, but when you're losing, that's unacceptable. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, Barry, Mike Bossy, Wayne Gretzky, Mario, Mario Lemieux couldn't play for Barry Trotz. He would have tried to shackle their game and turn them into something. They're not, they were all time great players for a reason. You take, what a great coach does is you take the players, maximize their skill set. 
to make them as good as they can possibly structure, be. Structure your ideology and your game plan around the pieces you have instead yes. of trying to mold every single piece that you have into what you would like. It's like it's the same thing in football. Oh, I've got a great run stopper as a defensive tackle. And you say, oh, hold on, hold on. We don't want you to worry about run stopping. We just want you to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, well coach, I'm really good. At, I don't care. We, you know, let's just go ahead and focus on focus on a huge, huge pass rush. That's all we're going to focus on. It may not be something that they're all that skilled at, but you know, you've got a guy who's one of the best run stoppers in the NFL, and you're going ahead and trying to change. You're trying to change your ideology and change up what they do well. It's just it's not a recipe for success. But but let me ask you this, Grumpy, before I step away to the restroom. Now we've seen Ross Johnston, who was playing good hockey. Um, before he started to serve that three-game suspension, uh, still riding the pine, and we see Matt Martin out there every single night. Matt Martin's production this year and his play has not been good. Again, love him as a person, but he's cashed, he's finished, and we still see Matt Martin out there on the ice every single night. Doesn't matter, back-to-back situations, he's going to play every single night. I I wonder if now we're not going to see Ross Johnson for the next 10 or 15 games. Um, I don't know, but I think he'll periodically get a game. But why does it happen? Because Barry Trotz likes Mac Martin. He likes him in that role. Just end of sentence, end of story. He's one of Barry's guys, and Barry's going to – he'll go to the stake for his guys. That's why That's why he does – he's not been – he's a good regular season coach. Barry Trotz is a good regular season coach, but there's reasons why he's never really been super successful in the playoffs. He hasn't. Uh, he had the one year in Washington where they won the Cup, and that was almost in spite of him. They knew he was gone before the end of the year. Why? Because he refused to play younger players. He saw the writing on the wall, and he knew they weren't going to win, so he eventually played the younger players that stretch drive, and they wound up playing an expansion team in the final. It was the only year that they he, they were good in the regular season every year, could never beat Pittsburgh. He's not able to alter his system at all, and that's why he's a good regular season coach, but come in playoffs – when you have to have guys who, you know, okay, we're making a subtle change here and there to combat what you're doing, he's not able to do that because he's a slave to his system. And to me, is that that's not a guy who's going to get you over the hump. He can get you so far, but he can't put you over the top. Now, and now I, I want I wanted to ask you a little bit about the point. I'm sorry, go ahead and continue. That's all right. I'm done. I wanted to ask you about the point that you had made talking about how he wouldn't integrate young players. And again, that's always been a criticism we've had of him. And it makes me think, okay, Oliver Walsham, albeit he's not there yet. I'm not saying Oliver Walsham's the greatest thing in the world. I'm saying, though, he has a skill set that this team desperately needs and that we were, you know, rumored to be looking at in the offseason. A guy who could score <laughs> and a guy who's got a wicked shot that could pair up with Matt Barzal. Matt Barzal now has been here for how much? I mean, Jordan Eberle was, a, a, you know, an okay version of that. He's, you know, he's not a snipe. He was, you know, sniper by character, but not a great one. I know he's scoring goals for Seattle, but he's not an elite tier sniper. He's not but a he, guy you say, he, I'm a first line right wing. But his style meshed with Matt Barzell's. But my point is, we have never put an elite sniper with with Matt, with Matt Barzal. And I know elite snipers don't grow on trees, but you've got a guy like Wall Street who, who could flourish into that, and we just never give him a chance. And, and it, it poses the question of, if that's the ideology we take with the younger players on this team, let me ask you this. When, if we do sell at the trade deadline this year, we're going to be acquiring draft capital. 
We're going to be, you know, picking up draft picks. If we're going to be picking up draft picks and we're going to take the mindset of, hey, we're going to restock the cupboards and we're going to have a little bit of a shift of the guard, you know, over the next two to three years, you know, we'll retool, but then we want to start integrating some young guys. It's Barry Trotz, a guy that we feel could integrate younger players in the lineup on a consistent basis. See, I don't know. And see, that's why I say that Lou needs to have that conversation with Barry before the end of the year. This is because let's be honest, the direction of the team must change if the end game is to win a Stanley Cup. The veterans on this team are not capable of producing the level of hockey that's needed to win a Stanley Cup, period. Period. You cannot make that claim. I think they've the vast majority have all hit the top and are all on the downside. And we even talk, right, people will say, Brock Nelson. Oh, Brock Nelson's been fantastic. He's got 13 goals on this season. Um, I would encourage everybody to take a look at Brock Nelson's production. He scored yeah. nine in three games. And look at the teams he scored against. Well, it's it's uh, yeah, it's eight and three games. But look, look at look at look at the production. Right, the first time he scored against Montreal early on in the season, he had four goals. Then he scored this year against Arizona. The two game two games against Arizona, he's got three goals against Arizona and one goal against Philly. And uh, you know he does have a pop up game. Hey, two against Calgary, one against Vegas. But you look at the production. Okay, eight of your thirteen goals have come over a four game stretch. And it's come against Montreal, Arizona, and Philly, all against the cellar dwellers in the NHL. Good. I'm glad you're scoring. But um, when I'm talking about players that need to start performing better, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Brock Nelson. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Anthony Bavillier. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Josh Bailey. I'd like to see more out of Anders Lee. Sometimes I'd like to see more out of Matt Brazil. The entire I need to see more out of the entire freaking team. The entire team as a collective unit is not performing. And that's what makes this steadfast devotion to to exactly what we have on the team, even though when players have performed well, it, it just makes it mind-numbing. Like I, I always question why Sarnak was taken out of the lineup when he was performing just because Casey was back and healthy. I'm sorry, Casey. I know we signed you a long-term deal, but Sarnak was performing. You weren't. Simple as that. But again, why was it necessary to sign a fourth-line a fourth line player who's in his 30s to a six-year deal? It it's stupid. just stupid. You it's had stupid. a guy like Sarnak who could replace him and play at the same level. You could bring up anyone to play a fourth-line role. Anyone. They get limited minutes. All you, Zach Parise, fourth-line player. No problem with that. 750K. Jarnak, whatever he makes, 900K. I mean, don't tell me you have to pay that much money to a fourth line. And think about it. Six years, right? Casey Zekas is 30. He's a fourth line guy who's taken a lot of beating. He's always he's had injury problems his entire career. Let's say he's here. Guess what? Every single year we're seeing this. We're not going to be seeing Casey's Ezekiel skyrocket up and find a new breath of fresh air and wind under his sail with those style he plays. He already uh, had his career year three years yeah. ago, 20 goals. That's it. Yep. Um, I want to, Grumpy, because we're going to, I want to show you this now. Drew L made this to for you. It's a little meme, Grumpy, and I think you might like it. When Trotz keeps playing Bailey top six minutes, <laughs> looks good. That's right. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> Jeez, I love that. shitty there, man. How shitty do I look there? Oh, I love that freeze frame, man. It's just, it's just a meme, Grumpy, but it's true. <laughs> I wanna... <laughs> oh man, I knew you get a jump. I knew you get a kick out of that. Thanks, dear Drew, for sending that to us. Um, I know Grumpy enjoys it. Um, yeah, the player personnel decision is just nuts, and and 
and again, during the game, I was much more fiery about it. After the game, I just kind of think to myself, Jesus Christ, is it is it ever going to change? I I don't think it will. I don't think it will under this current regime. I don't think that will ever change under Barry Trotz, which makes me say, yeah, you know what? He's not the answer here. He got us. And think about this, right? I'm not trying to degrade or throw off the successes that Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo have had, because guess what? They have had successes. When they were brought in here, their number one goal was to do one thing, turn the Islanders into a respectable franchise where they were going to have the same cachet they used to back in the 80s, right? Put them back on the map, make them a legitimate franchise. And Lou and Barry have by all means done that, no doubt about it. They have accomplished what they were initially brought in here to do. Now let me ask you, let's assume this season continues the way it does. We don't beat teams that are good. And we only beat cellar dwellers like Arizona, Buffalo, Ottawa, all the really the devils, the really bad teams in the NHL, the Flyers. Let's assume we only beat the bad teams. We still struggle to beat the really good teams. Would you, I mean, do you not say, okay, uh, we're looking maybe in other avenues. We need you to kind of change the ideology up, Barry, or you're gone. I know he's got one year left still on his contract, but we see Matt Barzal is not happy with the style and, and, and the results on the board. And again, it could be for a multitude of reasons. You gotta, you gotta be able to re-sign Matt Barzal back. If you lose him, it's an utter failure. Players win games, and coaches lose their jobs when you, the star on your team is unhappy. Coaches lose their jobs. Period. You cannot let Matt Barzell go. You cannot have. You can absolutely not have another John Tavares situation on your hands. Cannot let that happen. That was his thing. That's not Lou and Barry's fault. That was Garth Snow's fault for not being proactive there. But yes. you cannot let it happen again. If he just says, I'm just going to take a one-year tender, you have to move him. You have to put him on the block immediately or say, what is it going to take to get you to sign long-term? And if he says, I can't play for that man anymore, bye-bye, Barry. And that might start your rebuild faster because, to me, a lot of the veterans on this team are only on this team because Barry Trotz is coach. That is true. A lot of the players we signed, I mean, when we signed Matt Martin back, I was like, what the hell are we thinking? What in God's name are we thinking? And again, he should not. <sighs> Matt Martin maybe serves a role for a team who doesn't have sandpaper or grip. But when every single one of your line, I mean, you have, look at the forward group we have. I would say, hmm. Out of the forward group we have on a really good team, I would say that eight of our eight of our twelve forwards are forwards that are bottom six guys. I think Anthony Bavillier is a bottom six guy. I think Josh Bailey is a bottom six guy. Or actually, let me up that. I'm going to say nine out of twelve, or at least, or at least nine out of twelve are bottom six. I think Kyle Palmieri is a bottom six guy. Anthony Bavillier, Josh Bailey, Jean Gabriel Pajot. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think we've got at least eight or nine forwards that are bottom six guys. We do not have enough top tier talent. And again, on a team that does it, you know, they've got top tier talent, but you know, their bottom six kind of struggles. Matt Martin would be an okay fit for him. We just have too many guys of that ilk to where he just it it exacerbates his 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 uh his his issues uh, when it comes down to, again, energy level and, uh, and and playing his style again. He's just a little older, too. Yeah. I, like I said, it is what it is. But, I mean, uh, you can't lose Matt Barzell. Yes. I mean, period. You can't lose him, and you have to do everything. He is the only – how many truly talented players do we have on this team? Five, six? 
I'd even argue how many truly talented players are in the NHL. I think forward group, he's a top 50 forward in the NHL with the skill set he can do. People he's say, more well, than top, he's more than top 50. I'm saying for Come the on. people that are going to try to degrade Matt Barzal. He's more than saying, top 50. He's more than top 50. People, the thing. To say, people are going to try to say, well, look at his stats. He doesn't do this. Well, he turns over the puck. He does this. He does that. People don't watch enough games in the NHL. I'm saying the bare, even if you're going to try to bash the kid, you could never argue that he's not top 50. Here's the thing. If he played on another team, he'd be top 10. Maybe top fifteen at worst. I get on another team, the worst top twenty-five, the worst. I mean, the kid's truly special. If he played with a team that was more offensive-minded, he would be averaging more than a goal a game, or more than a point a game. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's top. He's top ten, top fifteen. His skill set dictates that. Playing for this team, he's not. And I'm going to say it again: What free agent would come sign for this team with Barry Trotz's coach? We've never been able to sign one yet. Not a one. Andrew Ladd. Andrew Ladd was before they got here. That was our biggest free agent we've ever signed, Andrew. Right, but no one, no one wants to play for the Islanders. Now everything is in place, right? There is no more. There are no more excuses. How many? Oh, well, the arena or this or that. No, they just don't want to play for you because they don't want to play for you. And why would you? Why, if you are a player who puts pucks in the net and are predicated on scoring, why would you ever want to play for Barry Trotz? I didn't hear any of the Washington players saying, yeah, we're sorry to see Barry go when he left. I never heard an outcry for him, not I've from been, one guy. I've never seen any Washington, ex-Washington guys through free agency be like, oh, yeah, I want to go I want to go back with Barry. I want to sign with Barry. I like the chemistry you have. I want to go play for Barry Trotz. <laughs> Haven't seen any of that is right. So it, it just kind of makes you wonder. Um, you know, it's it's a, again, it's that's a bad loss tonight. Toronto was the far more talented team, and it showed out there. It was a home game, too. Remember, we're supposed to be fantastic at home, right? That's for never lose. This is where it's going to be totally different for us. I, I just I don't want to see the excuses that are going to come pouring out a month, two months from now when we're sellers, when we've declared that we're looking to sell off assets. We're going to see every excuse under the sun, every excuse. And what I don't want to see happen and here it is, right? We talk about how we're ahead of the curve or are the curve. We're going to see certain people, part of the cartel media, saying, well, this year's a write-off. We'll come back next year. Maybe one guy different here. One guy. Maybe we would just replace Parise and Chara and, and Green. And those are the three pieces that we need to replace. And every we'll return everybody else back, and we're going to see us back in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's foolish. I think that's really mentally obtuse. Mentally obtuse. Okay. Just speak English. That is English. Um, but Grump, I, I do want to go ahead. And you know what time it is? Because we're about halfway through today. Do you know what time it is? Because we're going to get to the comments. But you know what time it is, Grumpy? Let's read the ad time. Yep. And today's podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL is celebrating with huge odds boost for new customers counting down to super bowl 56 new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team bet just five dollars and get 280 in free bets if your team wins if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you can still get in on all the action of the divisional round everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy football contest DraftKings is giving all new customers free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use the promo code thpn 
time and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum of a $5 deposit and $1 wages required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Excellent. Oh, yeah, Grumpy. I tell you, you seem you seem a little down in the dumps, too, kind of like I am. Just like, oh, it's kind of setting in. You know what I mean? I mean, I like I said, I was I wanted to give Barry a chance. When he came back, we saw the development of the younger players. We saw them all producing. We saw them getting better every single game, becoming more productive, uh, doing what the things that Barry says they need to do. And then I said, well, let's give Barry a chance. Let's see if he rides out of those hot hands. What's the first thing he does? He shackles them. Noah Dobson no longer rushes the puck up the ice anymore. That's all on Barry. I'm sorry, all of it. He tells him, and I just think I just think the players, when he's coaching them, he gives them a different set of instructions and amount of rope that Lane Lambert does. And they're afraid of getting benched, so they play that way. Yeah, and 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 let me ask you this too. What what's going to be even more depressing than I think about now? Is we'll probably see. I mean, Ryan Pulak now again. He's he's been out for eight plus weeks on a four to six week long injury. Did catch COVID over that time period, but we know when Ryan Pulak comes back. You know what we're going to see? That's going to be even more depressing. Salah will sit out, and Noah Dobson is going to be getting uh, at least I would think he's going to be getting uh, bottom pairing minutes because he's going to play Scott Mayfield. You're going to have Noah Dobson, who's playing like 20 plus minutes a night, which is good. He's played well when he's playing, you know, given an opportunity. You're going to see him drop down to about 17 and a half, 18 minutes a night. Same as it was last year, a little bit more than it was last year. You'll be 17, 18 minutes a night. And again, this is a guy who's offensively talented and needs to play big minutes. Simple as that. Yeah. And a lot of that's going to be on power play. I mean, it just, it's going to be what it's going to be. I've already res. I like I said I gave him a chance, and he went right back to what he's always been. So that's like I said, that's for me. Uh, the die has been set with him. Mm. And like I said, I'm having that conversation. If I'm Lou Lamarillo, we're going in a different direction. We love you as coach. Are you willing to change your style or play? Are your you willing players? to? Are you willing to alter your style a bit? That's all. I'm not asking you to completely say, "Hey, I'm going to be an offensive mighty coach. We're going to be heavy on the four check." No, I'm just saying there needs to be some sort of happy and healthy balance. Because in today's NHL, that game doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't. Well, I'm not okay. It's I, like in the NFL, having a rushing defense, a rushing team that does nobody throws the ball, and just playing stout defense. It doesn't work anymore. Because the game has changed. The rules have changed, which is predicated that you have to change the way you play. That's what happened. They don't let the clutching and grabbing or the physicality down low or the cross-checking or the holding or the interference calls that they used to. Now it's just about moving the puck, skating it up. You touch a guy in the hands, it's a penalty. I mean, you know, game has changed. You have to change with it. If you're not capable, we're moving on. And we're going to jump here in the comments. By the way, the San Francisco 49ers just beat the Green Bay Packers, Grumpy. Aaron Rodgers, now your failure is complete. You know what this means? If somehow, magically, with all the injuries, 
the incredibly great TB12 Tom Brady can win tomorrow, they're hosting the NFC Championship game next week. I think they're going to lose to the Rams tomorrow, so it doesn't really matter. Here, but... Here's the thing. Do you remember when we talked about on TJ and the Grumpy Old Man Show real quick? Do you remember when I told you I thought Cincinnati was going to win and I thought that the 49ers are going to beat Green Bay? I said that. So right now I'm two for two on the on the divisional round of the playoffs. I did also predict here just for just to confirm that again. I do predict the Buccaneers tomorrow, and I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, Grumpy. You know what uh, they call you know what they call Joe Burrow? What's that? Big Dick Joe. That's what they call him. Really? They call him Big Dick Joe. Oh God. I, maybe not, I not on not on TV, but that's that's his name in the clubhouse. Big Dick Joe. And Terry Bradshaw said, you know who he reminds him? Joe Namath. Really? He reminds him of Joe Namath. Yeah, I looked at him after the game like, holy shit, this kid's got some confidence. Gotcha. We're getting the comments. Jerevan saying, hey, boys, I'm listening to you guys in the shower. Ooh, be careful, Jerevan. Um, I got some wild questions for tonight. I hope TJ gets to them. Uh, and I hope you guys are ready for some fun. Jerry Springer, former mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah, tell us more. Paul F. saying, uh, evening, everyone. Uh, I was right last night. Wallstrom was benched in the third period and scratched the second day, according to Sportsnet. Yep. I decided to watch the least coverage tonight. I hate goring that much. Ouch. God almighty. Yeah, I was shocked again that that happened. Tony Chee saying, so Wallstrom is sit. Wallstrom is sat uh, to set an example. Wouldn't benching a veteran like Bailey make more of an impact? I was about to say. It Bailey, would. Right? I, I mean, said Bailey, that before. You want, you, want to get, you want to get the lineup, everybody on their toes? Bench an Anders Lee. Bench a Brock Nelson. Bench a jo uh, Josh Bailey. Those are the guys you bench. If you really want to get the, the locker room to stand up and sit up and notice, let's say Scott Mayfield has a bad game. Dan O'Chara has too many to mention. Let's say Pellick has a bad game. You bench one of those guys. Everybody's like, holy shit. If they could Anybody can be benched. It's not That's just right. the young guys that are trying to make their name. I can and, be benched. And then what does it mean? The veterans have to sit up. Holy shit. That could be me. Because right now they're just way too comfortable. As far as I'm concerned, they're way too comfortable as a team. Uh, and again, like when you think about it, like you talk about Anders Lee, let's let's look at Anders Lee's production as of recent, right? I used to have a little bit of a cold patch, but I mean, God it's almighty. because he doesn't do anything but stand in front of the net. That's all he does. He, if you know, he doesn't come back and play defense or he'll glide and reach with the stick. That's that's the extent to his defense. I mean, he had time period earlier on this season over a 14 game stretch where he had three goals and zero assists. So I'm just like, okay, if that doesn't like, oh, you talk about consistency, three points for a first line left wing over a 14 game stretch. I mean, that's consistently not performing. And I mean, again, like right now you're looking at it. He, he's got, he's had one point in the last six games. So one assist in the last six games. I, you know, like we're looking for players that have to start producing and performing. You're on the first line left wing. You have to score goals. And you've got to assist on goal. You've got to put up points. You've got to score goals. Simple as that. You're not doing that. We could find somebody else who could put up zero production. Simple as that. Very simple. True. We could find somebody who could play on a first-line power play and play on the first line with Matt Barzal and put up zero points. True. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, Shark Sports Card says Barry needs to go. I, I kind of lean closer to closer to that when I see the personnel decisions, and that's the thing that makes me drive – it makes me yank my hair out. I don't have enough hair to be yanking hair out, but the personnel decisions really have me beyond frustrated with Barry Trotz, and I think it has a lot of Islander fans frustrated. Yeah, without a doubt. 
I just listened to the yeah, full press conference. you all saying, don't worry. Uh, I got the Wallstrom part. And Paul F. saying, uh, we need space. Another billboard <laughs> another billboard to fire trots. Um, start up a GoFundMe campaign, Grumpy. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's originally what happened with uh, was it what happened with Garth Snow, I believe. Shark Sports Card says uh, we had Doug Waite, all offense, no defense. Now we have Barry Trotz, all defense, no offense. When do we get a complete head coach that can do both? Here's the thing: we had this, mostly the same players with both guys, but they were just much younger when Capuano was coaching, so they had some offensive acumen. Or now Doug they don't. Doug Waite, I'm sorry. Uh, when Doug Waite was coach, and now they, you know, they're just older now, so they can't produce that that level anymore. They just can't. Frank K saying here, can we stop talking playoffs, please? Trotz has to go. This team isn't playing for him anymore. Pull the cord after this season. They have to have the ownership. The ownership is going to need to step in. I feel eventually, hmm. they're going to need to step in and say. We need to be more. First of all, you need to be more exciting because if you're losing and playing this style of hockey, it's, it's nobody's it's, going to the games. It's, it's punishing to watch those games. Even the games we went against Arizona, it was punishment. I feel like I was being punished to watch that game. And today, if it wasn't for Toronto, think about what a slog that game would have been. Yeah, it was. It was funny. I even said so on the podcast. I said or the live stream during the game. I said, "Wow." I said, this is actually an this is a fun game to watch for the Islanders. We don't get that treat all that often. It was actually a fun game to watch for the most part. It was, and that was all because of Toronto in the first two periods. Because in the third period, they just laid back. Yeah, kind of got a little boring after that, and I was like, oh yeah, now it's back to the Islanders. And we couldn't do anything about it. They had 15 shots on goal, but it was like, were they really threatened? Did you really feel like they were threatened? I didn't. It was 13 in the third period. We only had 13 shots for the first two periods. It's 15. I thought they had 15 shots in the third period. Okay. Maybe they've updated the stats here. Um, yeah. Okay. Now it's got updated to 15. Yep. So we had 13 all game, 15 is a late push there. Yep. It just got updated um, or at least updated on my side where I was looking at the site I was, but uh, yeah, I, you know, Butch Gordon was talking about it, right? We don't generate enough shots. We don't put the puck on that enough. We don't have enough talent. We're not talented enough. We don't have any talent on this team. That's the problem. It's a talent problem. Even more so than stylistically, it's a talent problem. Yep. And again, they keep on saying we can roll the same lineup out there year in and year out, and we're going to get different results. It's just, it's it's mind-boggling. Matthew S. saying, and Grumpy, where are Frank K. and Matthew S. from? Do you know where they're from, Grumpy? They're from Isles Misery, rated R. Oh, there it is, the Facebook group. Matthew S. saying here, uh, most pitiful effort I've witnessed in person in a while. Plus, the goalie decision tonight, the leaves, leaves a lot to be desired. Yep, the goalie decision. Think about it. We weren't even playing against Jack Campbell this evening, guys. We were playing against Peter Morazic. They were missing two of their top defensemen also. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. Who was yep. out? I, I I saw someone they were missing their, two of their top defensemen. Gotcha. I know that Peter Morazic is not their starting goalie. Jack Campbell's their starting goalie. We played against, think about that, a home game. Yeah, yeah you should be extra motivated. Clark Gillies passing. The team should be extra motivated. And they roll out okay. their it's backup not, net minder. It's not like we didn't try tonight. They were just better than us. We couldn't catch up to them. They're better than we are. It's a skill. It's a talent issue. I, I'm. A, it's a talent issue. It's not... Uh, an effort issue. It's a talent issue. We don't have enough talent to play against the best teams in the league. We just don't. Shark Sports Card says both coaches had the same teams and both had different results. Yep. 
talking about there, Doug Waite and uh, Trotz for certain. Yep. Paul F. saying, we also need to start chanting fire Trotz and cut Bailey. Uh, well, they're not going to, unfortunately, they're not going to get rid of Trotz. But here's the thing. It, like when I see these choices being made, it makes me, it kind of ruins any sort of hope I have even going forward after this year for 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 trots unless we make radical changes in the offseason or make some legitimate changes i thought we needed to add pieces this offseason we didn't and we like, needed to add we haven't added pieces in the offseason any year that lou lamarillo and barry, barry trots have been here not once yeah, Don't, again, our, our, our ad was kyle palmary and how's that paint out okay no us? no he was an in-season trade he wasn't that our ad is what they looked off, at the off-season. off-season off-season matt martin Leo Komarov, Zdeno Chara, Zach Parise. Those are your moves in four years in the offseason. Pissing away draft picks at the deadline so you have nothing to backfill when the geezer squad is totally cashed, that's in-season mistakes. Hmm. Offseason, we've done nothing. Coach Tommy B. Oh, I like that. Coach Tommy B. He says here, um, two awful goals given up by Varlamov sunk us tonight. Yep. And again, I just like the reason we put him out here was a shock. The third one was something Varlamov never could have saved. I think Sorokin with his style would have had a chance to save it. What do you say? I don't know. The first two, I would like to think maybe he wouldn't have given up. But Jesus, yeah, those two bad goals right at the beginning did sink us. And we're still going to see the 50-50 split between Varlamov and Sorokin, which just drives me freaking nuts. I just don't understand it. Don't get it. Uh, REC says here, um, they did a great tribute to number nine for certain they did. True, true. Um, and Clark Gillies was the ultimate power forward of his time for certain, Tommy B. Before um, the name, before they even had the name, he was the guy. Paul left saying, Clark, you know, from his interview uh, during first game at UBS, sounded like such a nice guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Luar saying this team is pathetic. Yeah. They're not pathetic, but we're not good enough. And I, but here's the thing. I told you that going into the season. I told you that last offseason. I told you that last season. We're not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. That's why I keep on saying, let's blow it up because you are not good enough to get to our end goal. The longer you wait, the longer the fall is going to be and the longer it's going to take to get back. That Those are just facts. Tony Chi saying, I'm an Islanders fan because of my dad. Uh, I'm the Islanders fan. My dad is in the Islanders fan. Um, he would tell me stories about the runs that they had in the '80s and the Gillies fights. There's no other choice for me when it came when it came to hockey. New York Islanders. My dad was originally a Toronto Maple Leaf. Now my dad was a fan of hockey during the original six era, and he was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan even more than the Rangers. But then, uh, you know, we when cable first come out, cable television. Uh, Madison Square Garden, which was on Channel 6, we were able to watch Ranger games. So, you know, he watched the Ranger games, but he always thought the Rangers were soft. Like when they get beat by Boston, they just got bullied. And then the Islanders came in, and they were a feisty bunch, and we all became Islander fans at the same time. And when they came into the league is about the time when, uh, you know, as a child or a young person, you kind of start getting into sports and starting knowing what's going on. And that was like 1971. So, for me, it was always the Islanders. I mean, I still, like I said, I don't hate the Rangers. I really don't. And I love watching Bobby Orr. I've always loved talent, but I remember when the Islanders beat the Rangers in uh, the first playoff year that they were in there, when JP Parise scored the goal 11 seconds into the overtime of game three. That's when it was a three game series before money really got involved. 
And I mean, I've been hooked ever since. And that's never going to change. And Clark Gillies, like I said, one of my favorites of all time. Yep, Tommy B saying, seeing Gillies beat down Schultz and Philly and O'Reilly in the 80s playoffs, uh, just a couple uh, just a couple of tons of memory, temp, memorable moments he gave this organization in the fans. Yeah. As I mentioned last night, uh, he ended Schultz's career as the top uh, pugilistic guy because he gave him a beating. And that was the end of Schultz as the top guy. And O'Reilly fighting him in that Boston series, that – him Nystrom is also involved, the whole, Gary Howitt. That was what kind of elevated them and took them to the next level, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Frank Hayes saying Gillies was always in beast mode for certain. And then Greg Frost saying classic bouts with O'Reilly probably helped them win the series, that series. Yeah. Yep. Tony F saying this team is mediocre at best. Uh, can't beat teams above us, only beat the teams that are only beat the bad teams, the stinky ones. True, true. Mm -hmm. uh, REC saying here, why play Sorokin against Arizona and Varlamov against the real team? Because Barry's a meathead. I, I just, I don't get like, I, and like we pulled up the numbers of Varlamov, his career stats, and it just, I'm like, no, it just doesn't make sense on any plane. Not only is he not playing well this year, he's not historically good against Toronto. I just, I, I that's, it, it's, I, I seriously don't understand where the disconnect is or the thought process. He's aware of his his performance against you know Toronto in the past. It's not like this is brand new news to him, and he's aware that he's not playing well right now. He's yep. he's a freaking coach of the team. He sees that all the time, and I just I think to myself, I'm like, Christ Almighty, where's the where's the seriously where's the disconnect? Where where what are you seeing that we're not? I mean, and again, I'll pull it up for you. Just look we, at the I numbers. don't need, I don't need to see it again. I mean, I it's it's it is what it is. I think he wants, at the end of the day, he'd love to see Varlamov assume that number one spot again. That's what I think he'd really like. John P. says, um, Gillies was a player who didn't have to fight too often because he was simply one of the best and toughest ever. We were playing a playoff series against the Islanders, and O'Reilly had fought with Gillies a few times. I thought I'd give O'Reilly a break and fight Gillies myself. I engaged in a fight by punching Gillies with my glove. When he dropped the gloves and I saw his fist, I got nervous. His fists were so unbelievably big, and he was a big guy, too. All I saw were his hands. And he could throw the hands, too. Certainly could. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Greg F. saying, opposing coaches used to tell their best players to leave Clark alone. It was an old saying, don't wake the sleeping giant. Very true. Very true. You'd rather have him just play his shift as opposed to getting physically involved. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tommy B here saying uh, Gillies also scored in overtime uh, that goal in uh, game one at Boston in the 80s quarterfinals. That was a great series. New York Ranger Mike Grumpy. That's you know, that is Grumpy. I do not. That's that's uh, oh, don't oh, sorry. I want to mess up the name, Grumpy. That's that's uh, that's who we had on the podcast. I don't think that's Mike Hartman. That's Mike Hartman, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Fair enough. Um, he said, uh, "I'm sad and learned about the passing of Clark Gillies. Uh, he was a very good player and was a part of uh, part of the line there with uh, 19 and 22. He was a tough and clean player. Rest in peace, Jethro. As a Ranger fan, respect him. Okay, maybe it's not Mike Mike Hartman. Okay, I thought maybe it was Grumpy. I can never remember all the Twitter handles or the YouTube handles. Um, REC said somebody needs to get Barry a calendar. Jewel said, "Okay, I got that already. Um, yeah, I showed him that. Tommy B saying here, obviously." Uh, Mike Boss, he's also very ill. That's right. He's battling cancer at this moment for certain. 
Yeah, he battled in lung cancer. His legends are getting frail. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, Troy F. saying here, the Islanders in the 80s and 90s were such a great bunch of guys. I hung window treatments um, in most of their homes. The only player that was ever an ass was Mark Fitzpatrick. He was an old goalie. He wound up having issues with the equipment. You know how it gets that smell and stuff, and it would cause him uh, – he'd have rashes all over his body. Really? Good gracious. Time B saying Achilles was ill. Many didn't know about it. Um, and the Rangers have a big offer on the table for Jacob Chikrin. Uh, seem to be the favorites to land him. I'm underwhelmed by him. I don't think he's that good. Uh, we watched him firsthand in Arizona. I mean, the goal, the goal, the second goal of the game was directly him not marking Austin Sarnak down low. And like for people who think that Chikrin was going to solve all of our problems, I said he for certain will not. He does fit the style they play, though. And they're loaded. Rangers. They're right. Lo- right. They're they're loaded with young talent. I could see them making that move, and uh, well, that'd be bad news for us. Yep, Frank K. Sorokin needs to be in that from here on now. Um, yep. uh, Shark Sports Card says here, my uncle owned a jewelry store in Huntington and hung out with uh, the guys. Bill or hung out with the guys. Billy Smith uh, watch he uh, uh, hung out with the guy. He uh, Billy Smith's watch he wears was bought at my uncle's shop. Small world. Um, and he said that my grandfather was a team bus driver in the late eighties and nineties. Nice. Yeah. And Paul left there saying, uh, two top defensemen will play like crap, unacceptable fire trots. Toronto was down two dot defensemen. I can't remember who they were down. Um, uh, Paul didn't seem to hurt him too bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, John P there saying, uh, when does Lou decide to make moves either waving the white flag or dealing away? Um, or a last-ditch effort to acquire assets. Trade deadline is March twenty second, March twenty first. No way should we trade for more for, to acquire assets. Absolutely not. Jettison whatever you can to get whatever you can to start the rebuild now. That's what if you want to truly contend for a Stanley Cup in the future. That's what you need to do. If you're happy being a middling team that comes in ninth or 10th every year, maybe squeaks into the last playoff spot. Be my guest. That's not what I'm, I'm not, I'm not in for that. I want to win Stanley cup. I think most teams. Yeah. Grumpy are, are exactly where you are with that thought process too. Um, time B saying the offer is respectable. Apparently it's something like Kratz off a top defenseman, uh, prospect a for, and a former, a former first round pick plus this year's first rounder. My God. I, I don't know why people think Chickren's going to get that much. I thought Braden, maybe something. they're giving away Braden, uh, Braden Schneider there. He was a first round or a first round pick from 2020 defenseman. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if they I, really, him, I they, really don't care what they offer. Okay. Okay. Crumpy. Uh, Alexander saying, yeah, the playoffs are out of the question. Yeah, hundred percent done. No playoffs. You heard it here first. How long ago did I tell you that? <laughs> Been saying that since the off season. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Trotz has had a tough season. I keep saying that. Well, here's the thing. I, I I think it's more than just a tough season. I mean, what do you see? What do you see that changes for him going forward? I I think that this Nothing. ideology. It's the ideology and the player personnel decisions. I like. I don't ever see him changing that. I just don't. That's why he needs to go. He's accomplished what he was brought in here to accomplish. Now it's time to move on. Just like College Quinn did his job getting the Rangers so far, they brought in another coach to try to put him over the cop. I don't think Gerard Gallant is one of those guys, but he'll elevate them. We need somebody else to get us to the next level. It's not going to be Barry Trotz. Hmm. 
Fair enough, Grump. And then we've got a comment here. Uh, Time B says, five games till the All-Star break. Sorokin should play every one of them except the Seattle game. Yeah, He should play every game. Well, the, Every he, single game. So he, he, he should, though, play every game. He should play against the Flyers on Tuesday, the Kings on Thursday, because I want him to be fresh against the Minnesota Wild on Sunday, and he should play against the Senators. I have no problem at all with Varlamov playing Saturday against the Kraken, but Sorokin should play every single one of those games except the Kraken. I agree there. Totally. Unless there's a back-to-back, he should play every game. It is a back-to-back, okay. so Seattle, that's Minnesota. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Frank K saying, how do you come out this flat and uninspired, especially after the Gillies passing? There's no excuse. The Trots, ex- the Trots experiment is long over. Lou next. He gets no passes either. Time for fresh blood. Well, that's fine. Uh, and if you want to get a new GM, you look down to Tampa Bay. That's where I'd go. I'd look to see who they have as an assistant GM because I'm sure they're not getting rid of Brisebois. That's or their player personnel director. That's where I'm looking. I'm looking or somebody maybe in uh, Florida or Carolina. Those are the teams that are geared to win for the next number of years. Look at how they built their teams. That's what you need here. Mm. If if you're looking to change a GM. Yeah. Um, Jeff Schwartz here saying uh, goalies need to poke check more. Yeah, they don't poke check anymore. Yeah, you poke check, you also get beat too. I about to say, if you miss that poke check, it's almost an automatic You're done. goal. It's a goal. Yep. Tommy B saying here, they're both going to be back next season. Expect and more of the same then. I, I worry I worry about that. You're wasting another year. That's all I you're really doing. I worry about that. I worry it's another waste of a year. I mean, do you really expect us to have some sort of massive overhaul on offensive talent? Because it's not even defense. Goaltender, we've got a top, uh, unbelievable goalie. Defensively, yeah, we showed signs of you know weakness on it. The biggest issue always is and always has been we cannot score. We struggle to score the puck. We struggle on the power play because we don't have enough talent. Do you, I, I'm, I'm afraid that you look at the, the top guys, right? Goudreau's sure shit not coming here. Philip Forsberg, I don't think, is coming here. Why Why would a guy who's offensive-minded and wants to score goals and They're wants not. to win, why would they come here? They're not. They're not. It's not happening. That's why you need a new coach. You're not going to be able to attract offensive talent when you got a defensive coach. You know Matt Bar- Barzell's talking shit about him to anybody in the league who'll listen. You know he's doing that. You think Jordan Everly was saying how great it was to play for Barry Trotz? I think he, he was scored more goals this year than he scored all last year for the Islanders. No way. And here's the thing: the players have run their course. They're out of juice. They're all too old. I've been saying for how many years, TJ, we need to get rid of the older guys, incorporate flesh blood. Two years I've been saying that, right? And they don't do it. So now you're in the situation you're in. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you have to come to the realization it's time. I am I just believe in being proactive instead of reactive. Mm-hmm. Got a brand new stadium. You happy with the product you're putting on the ice? And uh, Mr. Ledecky and Mr. Malkin? I'm going to say probably not. John P says um, your tickets are going for 15 bucks on the secondary market in a brand new building. That's only been there for what? 15 games. Jeez. That didn't age. Well, uh, here, well, what do we say? Right. We're not interesting to watch. And when you don't win, people don't tune in. Simple as that. Right. People don't want to go to the game. Right. You could, you can grit through, as I said earlier, you can grit through if your team is uninteresting to watch, if you're winning games. But when you're doing neither of those items, really tough. 
Um, and again, we have built up a little cachet with the fan base because we have been successful over the last two years. We've been to the Eastern Conference Finals over the last two years, so people are willing to say, "All right, let me watch." Let me. But our, number, our numbers are down too. Our numbers are down too because they can't win a game and they're not fun to watch. That's like a that's like a, a it's like a death knell. Honestly, if we were fun to watch, it's one thing. We're not even fun to watch. If we're losing close games, we're like, oh, man, oh, man, we just barely lost that one, but we scored five or six goals. Okay, maybe if we just – it's a simple fix here on defense and we're all the way forward. No, it's no simple switch to the, the power play unit besides player personnel decisions, which Barry Trotz will never contribute to, and there's no easy switch to the lack of ability to score on five on five. It just – there is no switch for that. Um, and then uh, – and then uh, John P saying, "Oh, um, uh, Varlamov uh, giving up a weak goal or two—that would be uh, terminal if your team not be would not be terminal if your team had a higher level of offensive prowess. We just don't in the system and Barry Trotz's current personnel preferences." True. We went, like I said, we mentioned on the live stream, the uh, when it was two to one, the next goal was going to be pivotal. If we scored, we're in the game. If Toronto scored, game was over, and Toronto scored, and that was that. Mm -hmm. Jeff S saying here, this loss is on trots. I don't know if I put it fully on him, but he definitely has a huge, a huge hand in the tonight's loss. I think he's got a huge hand in this team's production this season, a huge hand in it. He's done a poor job this year. And I'm just saying his ideology needs to adapt a little bit with the style of the, the NHL currently. Uh, um, Greg F saying here, a friend of mine says, uh, Wallstrom was hurt. Um, I, I heard a healthy scratch, but can healthy, scratch. healthy, healthy scratch. scratch. Yeah, Greg. And, and this was confirmed by trots. He said, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a decision. It was a game. It was a, his decision to go ahead and not play him. And again, his decision not to play him tonight. He wasn't consistent enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I find that, that excuse, that, that response laughable at best. No one calls him out on it. No one calls him out on it. Nobody has the nuts to cartel yeah. media doesn't have the nuts to do that. So um, Paul F saying Bellows and Sarnak 11 and 10 minutes, respectively, unacceptable fire truck. See, like Sarnak, he's a fourth line. He's a, he's a bottom six guy playing on the first line, which is always head scratching to me, but he's played well. Why? Uh, again, you're not seeing much of Sarnak. You're not seeing Bellows has played well this year when he was, when he was given his chance and he was playing open game. And then we just stifle any type, anything he's got going on, Grump. That's what he is. That's what he does. I'm not even. It, I'm like I said, it is what it is at this point in time. If you can't, like I said, that's why. I, and I've said it for how long now? I've said it for what a month. You need to have that talk with him sooner rather than later. Look at the direction of the team. Do you think there's upside with the players we have here? The answer is no to that, right? Alexa, quiet. <laughs> Jeff S. I agree. Oliver Walsh needs to play, and so does Bellows. Bailey should be benched. He does not hustle, no battle, uninspired, gives the puck up, and brings no offense. He looked inspired the one game when he come back the first game off of it. He did look inspired that first game he came back. They put him on the third line. Yep. They put him on the third line. The he game looked before. inspired. He busted his ass. Ever than that, other than that, he's just like, man, I'm not doing Amazing. it. Guess what? You say, guess what, Bailey? You've played like shit this year. That's you know what I'm going to make you fix that? You're going to get benched. You're going to be on the third line. You're going to have to earn your way back. And if I don't like the performance you on the third line, you're getting your ass benched again. See, that's why you bench them. That's why you bench them. It sends a message to the whole team. Not the young guys. Everyone knows that MO. Uh, Papa, 
Paulo C saying, can someone please tell Barzal to shoot the effing puck? I just would tell him to shoot the puck and become a shooter and try not to pass to these losers. Well, here's the thing. If they had right grumpy, if they had more of a, a if they had more of an individual who would who's a better shooter on his line, he could he could he could tailor make and again and continue to improve his ability. His ability is to play make. He's not a guy who's got an ability to shoot up the hell out of the puck. He's a guy who occasionally, you know, every once in a while will have a 20, 25 goal season. Never expect 40 goals out of Matt Barzal, right, Grumpy? So who fits that MO? Who fits that MO? I think two players on the whole team. Two. Mm. Two guys that he don't like to play. Yeah. Bellows and Wallstrom, they shoot the puck. Every time it puck, the puck hits their stick in the offensive zone, they're shooting it. Yep. Every time. They've got a good shot, too. Jeff E says, Parise, best player on the ice. LOL. How about that? Yeah. He played the best tonight. He did play well today. He absolutely played well today. Yeah. This sport. Yep. Uh, a shooter like Wally needs to be on the line. Hunter H saying here, uh, we're going to end the Flyers 11-game losing streak on Tuesday. Mark my words. God, I hope not. We're Yeah, we'll be covering that game live. I And again, like we'll be going live during that game. I hope not is right. The Flyers are going to have to win a game sooner or later, right? Is it going to be against us? They're, I hope not. they're abysmal right now. They're abysmal. They got they got doubled up by Buffalo 6-3 today. Yeah. Uh Frank Hayes saying it'll be the same crap then. He's proven he hates the youth. He just needs to he just needs to adjust or forget it. Right. Yeah. And I and I certainly believe in saying it to him. Say it to him. Give him the option. And if he if he bristles at it all, goodbye. Frank C says Parise is a good replacement for Cal Clutterbuck next season. Um, yeah, who knows how long you keep that up at 37, 38 years old, though. Again, I mean, if he wants it on a one-year 750K, I'm not giving him any bonuses. Screw that, dude. You want to keep on playing at 38 years old? You're not getting bonuses. You just freaking play. If he doesn't want to, Tough shit. Go on to somebody else who'll take 750K who can skate up and down a wing. You can find anybody in the AHL or the ECHL for that matter to skate hard up and down the wing and look, oh boy, look at how great he, look at how he hustles because you overestimate guys who hustle. It's guys who produce. For the amount of ice time and situations he's been put in, his numbers suck. I'm about to say, he plays every damn power play too. Um, Jeff E says Parise is one of the best penalty killers and he hits more than Martin and he can pass better than Wallstrom and Bellows. What are you doing, Grumpy? What but he doesn't have anywhere near the talent of those two at this stage of his career. That, that That's the problem. He is what he is. He plays 15 minutes a night. He plays every single game and he has two goals on the season. Again, he, he, I like the effort level as a bottom six guy. That's fine. I wish we didn't have to rely on him to play the freaking power play. That's a sad thing. Mm. Hopefully, I'll say it will happen. Fire trots. Mm, not sure. Yeah. Uh, ooh, I tell you, he's unhappy. <laughs> Frank K. Smug. He's unhappy with Barry Trots for certain. Um, by the way, uh, chat. Did you? Uh, did they talk? Um, they talk about Wallstrom comment. Yep. We did. Yeah, we, we did get to cover that. Jeff E said uh, Wally was terrible last night and Bellos was nowhere tonight. Well, Jeff, yeah, he's he's playing the right wing. He's a natural left winger. He played left wing and in, in the US development program, college, juniors, AHL and NHL, and we've put him on the right wing. 
again, if anybody could make sense of that to me, why we're going to play a young player who's never played right wing, trying to earn a spot and earn minutes on his off wing. If anybody could ever explain that to me, I'd be enlightened, I guess. He's a top six winger. He's playing with the center who's done nothing all year. Nothing. John Gabriel Peugeot has been hideous this season. Hideous. Five, uh, 10 points, five goals, five assists, and a 30-something game stretch. How is he performing when Barry Trotz was not behind the bench? Because to me, that's the measuring stick. He played extremely well when Barry was out. Barry's the problem. It's not Kiefer Bellows. It's not Oliver Wallstrom. It's Barry. Look at Noah Dobson. Look at how great his game was when Barry was out. All of a sudden, Barry's back. And Noah's going back to being, well, we're not going to take any chances here. We're going to keep on laying back. We'll just do this. We'll just do that. And it's and, it's Barry. Barry's the problem. And John Gabriel Peugeot now has gone seven games without a point. So, I mean, again, I'm not expecting John Gabriel Peugeot to be putting up points in droves. But seriously, look at it. We give up a first, what, a first and a second for John Gabriel Peugeot, if I recall correctly? Yep. I'm, you know. And here's the thing. He, I mean, he had, was injured last year, but he could be cash too. A guy that size and that style, how long? Not everybody lasts into their mid-30s. Yeah, he's, tw- he's 29 years old. He's a guy who's taken a lot of hard miles. And y- you look at it even last year. He was averaging about a point every other game, 28 points through 54, 54 games. This year, 10 points in 31 games, or 32 games, I'm sorry. Seven games, last seven games, no points. And it's not like he's not playing with talent around him. He just hasn't looked good. No, he hasn't. He doesn't have anywhere near. He has nowhere near the jump he had last year. Uh, He looks looks more just like last. Real quick. I hate to interrupt. I'm sorry. Last year, you would notice him on the ice. The plays he was making, he would stand out because of the effort level and the plays he would make via intercepting, you know, intercepting, you know, opposing teams passes, forcing turnovers and creating offensive opportunities. I have not seen any of that this year from him. I'm sorry. though, Right. Yeah. His pace and his engagement level aren't there this year. Mm-hmm. Frank C says Charles consistent. Yeah, he's consistently bad. <laughs> um, uh, Time B says Bellos was decent tonight. Wallstrom has struggled the last two or three games, but all players have had some best. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a point too, Time B. I think you're on the same page as us on that one. Jean Gabriel Pajot has had zero points the last seven games. He struggled game in and game out. Why not say all hey, Jean the year. hey Gabriel? Yeah, he struggled all year. Why don't you say? Hey, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, get your mind right. We're going to put Austin Zarnak over you. And guess what? If you're not performing, you won't be playing on a consistent basis. Hey, Anthony Pavilion, you haven't played well. Yeah, Kiefer Bellis is going into that left wing spot. Unless you start performing, you're going to be there. Hey, Anders Lee, you haven't performed. Hey, Josh Bailey. You could do that with just about every Josh Bailey has been. Team. Josh Bailey has been so bad for the vast majority of the year. Even the bootlick and weasel squad had to come out and admit it. And I know it pained them, but they had to come out and admit it. That's how bad he's been all year. He never sits. I'm sorry. You cannot continue to just make examples of the young players. You just can't do it. We called it here first three years ago with Matt Barzell, and it used to drive us crazy. Why? Because he'd only punish Barzell. Everybody else could put like trash. He makes one mistake, and he makes an example of him. I'm sorry. It's not the way you should run a team. It, I'm, it's just not. That's why we only go so far. And the guys played as hard as they could. But you know what? They couldn't beat Tampa because they didn't have a coach who's able to alter his system in any way, shape, or form. And that's why you got shit-canned two years in a row in the semis. Shit-canned. Yes, I use that word. Because Tampa, they just did whatever they needed to beat us. 
I don't care how many games it was. Like I said, it was 2-2. Stamkos woke up, looked at the paper, and said, holy shit, we're 2-2 with these guys? They blew us out 8 nothing." And then in game seven, how did that one go? Bailey makes a mistake, leads to the game-winning goal in the second period, and they just coasted the rest of the way. Coasted. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> don't disagree, Grumpy. Um, and real quick here, I- I'll pull this one up too. Brian J says, how is Austin Sarnak on the first line before Wallstrom? That was yesterday too. I was like, what the fuck is this about? Oliver Wallstrom does, again, when the guy was performing and putting up almost, a, you know, he's putting up a, a few points every single game, very, very hot. And what, he, what was over a stretch he had, I think it was like over five or a set, or maybe it was a seven-game stretch he had nine points. We still wouldn't let him touch a top, top six role. We still said, here you go. You're on the third line, Oliver Wallstrom, despite performing. Yeah, I mean, I, it's mystifying. But that's the way he is. He's never going to He's never gonna promote a young guy. Never. Mm-hmm. We're dreaming if we thought he was. Yeah. Oh, buddy, I'll tell you, Grumpy. It's it's it, the entire thing. Consistency, like Char has been consistently bad, and it's unfortunate that he will continue to play. Brian P said, yep, uh, the thing about guys like Parise is he gets praised uh, and put into a top six role. Remember, he has played top six minutes this year. A lot of players on this team are not constant, um, but it's only the young skilled players that get called out and benched. It's a joke. You rarely get the most out of a young player when they constantly get benched and they make a mistake. That's bad coaching. Let me ask you a question, TJ. As yeah. a former player yourself, particularly when you were younger, what do you think the most important? I think I know what the most important thing is for a young player. What what would you say it is? I think it's confidence. When you Thank get there you and, you're try, and you're trying to, and you're trying to get yourself in a role, and I'm not just like laying you up the answer you're looking for. It it seriously is confidence as you're trying to get yourself like, hey, I'm a consistent starter. I'm going to be a leader on this team. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're kind of like you you're testing out the waters. You're getting familiar. Hey, I want to be able to be a you know a, a mainstay in this lineup, and you know your confidence truly dictates how you perform on the ice when you're young like that when you get older right you might go through stretches dry spells but you know the confidence through it before you know exactly you've been there you're familiarized with it and you know that you belong there i mean when Oliver wallstrom is like oh i'm I'm not being consistent i'm being benched okay i I had a bad game or so but you know i I noticed that a lot of other players are having bad games i noticed that you know uh, oh i've noticed sean gabriel pajot hasn't put up a a point in seven game my my line mate hasn't put up a point in seven game i noticed that you know first line left wing anders lee hasn't put up a point in six games oh yeah i noticed he's playing you know primo minutes and he still can't produce offense oh i know they're giving austin zarnak they're giving key for bellows they're throwing him on his offside and playing him on the third on the first line over me they're putting austin zarnak captain healthy stretch up there over me it just shows what they think of me they put josh bailey there they put kyle palmieri there i'm the only guy who seems never get a chance are they gonna throw are they gonna throw cal clutterbuck on the first line if enough injuries happen are he's he gonna get a chance on the first line right wing yeah to me what I said earlier this year when we had COVID, what did I say we should have done? Ride how many games with the young guys and just let them learn on the fly. And we had to do that with COVID. And look how they got better and better. They started producing. As soon as Barry comes back, that's the end of that. And you see them all. All the young guys play has gone downhill. Why? Because Barry is back as coach. He is the common denominator for the failure of the team. Yeah. And Jeff, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, nice points grab against the lesser talented teams, but you know, when we play the more talented teams, the performance on the ice uninspiring. And it makes me worry about when we do start to play the, the tougher teams here upcoming. Meh, and about after the all-star break, 
makes me worried. Um, terrible decision starting. For, uh, yes, Rook on Friday and Varlamov off on Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah, Trotz is a goner. He's leaving after that. Uh, first of all, Barzal is signed for next season, then restricted free agent the following season. No. So he's, he, he's, a, he's, yeah, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, what is that, Crum? He's got he's, – he's out of contract this year. He's got one more year as a restricted – he can sign a one-year deal at the end of this year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So no, he's got he's got one year left on his contract. Then he's a restricted free agent in 2023, 2024, and he's got the one year left. So his contract expires the same way the same year Barry Trotz's contract expires. He'll be a restricted free agent the year as Barry Trotz would be technically no longer our coach if we don't re-sign him back. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I tell you, um, uh, Barzal wanted an eight-year deal. He signed uh, three. We didn't give him. We didn't have the cap to give him the eight-year deal. That's horseshit. They could have made that work. They could have made. Here's the thing. It just tells you they're not creative enough in the front office. They could have made that work. Here's the thing, though. That was three years ago. That's three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a long time you. ago. Yeah. I tell you, man, it's it's something else. Uh, Vicky Vicky R is saying here, pairing Barzal with someone uh, on a consistent basis hasn't been a priority, and that's a big problem. Yeah, we talk about we talk about building chemistry with your line. Matt Barzal's had a revolving doors of first. I didn't like. Years. I didn't like the chemistry that that Bellows had with Barzal in the eleven minutes that they played together. Uh, you know, he's never played with them before. Yeah, seemed like they had chemistry last year when you had to play him on the left wing with Barzell. And what did he do? Three goals in four games. That's not enough chemistry for you. Yeah, okay, Barry, he's so full of shit. He thinks no one pays attention or remembers the previous year. That's what he's hoping. Well, that's a good point, though, Vicky. I do agree, right? Revolve. We've talked about that before, how tough it is when you're trying to get momentum, trying to get chemistry going. And your center constantly has a revolving door of different right wings, game in and game out. Let me ask you a question. Does Matt Barzell have chemistry with Anders Lee? And that Uh, piece of shit has played three years with him on the first line now. They have zero chemistry. He's not a fit for Matt Barzell, period. But that doesn't stop that useless dog trots from rolling him out there on the first line every single night. Yeah, I disagree I, uh, with that. I disagree with that. Disagree with what? I don't think he's intentionally sabotaging us. No, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> Lou R says uh, maybe that's why JT didn't want to sign. Um, no, I don't. No, coach. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Yeah, Ovi thanked Trotz for helping him win a cup. Yeah, uh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't say, "Hey, we really wish we would have him back." No one was outspoken saying. We wanted Barry back. No one. Not you, one player. No one, Grumpy. <laughs> was no, oh, boy, we're going to miss him. Too bad he couldn't come back. Nope. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks for the cup. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. And here's the thing, right? Like, what do you say if your guy's always been played to win a cup and they ask you, what do you think about Barry Trotz leaving? Do you think he goes, oh, yeah, we're on to the next thing? No, he's going to say, Barry Trotz was a the coach there for five years. Like, oh, thank you so much for your time. I'm happy we're able to win a cup. He really helped the team. I mean, he just answered the question exactly like the way it was asked. It's just a softball question. Oh, what do you feel about Barry Trotz? Like, nobody's going to go, thank God that old son of a bitch is gone. He never let us play any offense. And he got lucky to win the cup. I, of course, that's not the case. I know Grumpy will say we got lucky. They they were fortunate, though, playing an expansion team in Vegas in the cup finals. But, I mean, again, lucky things happen. A lot of times the cup winner is not always the best team in the NHL. But, you know, nobody was out there. 
just answers the question how you're supposed to on that situation. Brian P says, okay, well, well, one thing, just a quick follow up on that. They knew halfway through the season, Barry Trotz was not coming back as coach. Everyone knew it. This was his last year. Everyone knew it. Mm -hmm. Even winning a Stanley cup was not enough to convince him to keep him. That's yep. all you need to know. Yep. Uh, Wallstrom plays fourth line minutes. He plays on a bottom six and gets benched and run down constantly, yet he's still second on the team in points. Imagine if he played for a coach that actually built up his confidence and put him in situations to succeed. Absolutely, Brian. There you go. Yep. I tell you, that's that's the type of stuff Who's, that always he's, he's second in points. Um, I'll have to pull that up, but I thought I thought Barzell would have been second in points. He or Nelson. I think Nelson, maybe. Let's see here. Um I mean, Matt Barzell was like at least second point. Oliver Washington was fourth in points. I'm sorry, 16 points. He's fourth in points. Oh, okay. So, I mean, think about this though. Oliver Washington fourth in points. No Dobson fifth in points. How the how the hell is Bailey that useless? Oh, secondary assist. Noah Dobson has played 22 games to Andrews Lee's 31, and Noah Dobson has more points than Andrews Lee this season. I'm not surprised at that. I know that Noah Dobson's damn good. I'm just talking about the lack of performance by Andrews Lee. And dude. Anthony That's Bevillier. who Anders Lee is. He's average. He's <laughs> average well, Anders. You know how everybody's talking about how Anthony Bavilia hasn't performed this season? Anthony Bavilia has the same exact amount of point production as, as Anders Lee. <laughs> Think about that. Anders Lee's not been Anthony Bavilia has been benched due to poor play. And I know it's more than just a point sheet and a point total. They have the same exact point production now. Yeah. God almighty. I tell you, that is, oof, I never really got a chance to look at it. Oh, my goodness. Um, John P said, just curious to both of you, um, with our current roster, uh, what lineup would Al Arbor put out there line by line? Uh, first of all, if Bill Corey was the GM, they would have improved the team every year. They wouldn't have just rode the same guys out every year when you're not damn producing. That much I could have told you. They would have went out the deadline and got themselves a Butch Goring after they underachieved two years in a row. They would have went out and got a Gordy Lane or a Ken Morrow. You don't just sit there and do nothing or trade for guys like Kyle Palmieri and uh, John Gabriel Pesciuff. And yeah, I mean, JGP. I mean, and then you know, Andy, and Andy Green. And Andy Green and bring in Zidane Chara. No. And here's the thing the core was really, really young. That's why you could live with it like that for a couple of years. He gave them a chance to grow, and then he saw them stagnating a little bit. Then he made his moves. That's why Bill Torrey was such a great GM. He didn't blow the team up because everyone was young, 24, 25 years old, not 31, 32, 33. When the cores that the Islanders never even the core of the 80s championship teams never even got that old before they were gone. And somehow we think that's a recipe for success now. I'm sorry, it's not. Mm. <sighs> yeah, and to go. I know I didn't put the line by line out there, but yeah, I'll tell you what: Barzell would have been playing with. Uh, he would have been playing with the goal scorer. That much I can tell you. With you don't have a creative get out there, a creative guy out there with a ham and egger like Anders Lee, who does absolutely nothing, and a revolving and then, door of Josh Bailey, Kyle Palmieri, Austin Zarnak, and everybody that could throw out there. Leo right? Komarov. All the other garbage that you put on the front line. Nonsense. That wouldn't have happened. Mark A. say Grumpy makes terrific points. He's on it. That yeah. didn't work. Put Wallstrom on the Rangers. He'd have 25 goals. Absolutely. Mm. I don't think Trotz is a good coach anymore. Uh, no, he, no, it's not that he's not a good coach. He's just limited as a coach. He's limited. 
He's good at what he does. He's very good at what he does, but he's not a guy who's going to put you over the top. Just not who, just not who he is. Luar said, yes, come in with speed, uh, come in uh, and, uh, and with speed, hit the line and put the brakes on and dish it off. McJesus doesn't give an F um, and goes full speed. Barzal needs to change it up here and there. But nobody goes in with him. They, everyone's lagging behind or they're standing still at the blue line. That shit don't work. I agree. They're going to have to. Uh, they're going to have to step in. The ownership's eventually going to have to step in. Half the roster should be cut there. Um, they I like I said. I'm having a fire sale. If it's me, whatever I can get, and I'd sell it. Like the veterans, like Lee and Anders. Lee's been a good Islander, but you have to sell it. Yeah, Anders, we're going with the youth program. It's he's, he's oh, okay. Okay, stop. Don't don't tell me what's what's going. This is how I would present it. That's all I'm saying. You try to move him to some other team and you spin it like we want to send you to a chance we have to win because we're going full on rebuild. That's how you hey, sell. What okay, how would Matt Barzal, if you're gonna tell Andersley we're going full on rebuild, how would Matt Barzal say, Yeah, I'm in for a full on rebuild? You're the cornerstone of our of our full rebuild. We are gonna get players who are gonna fit your playing style. That's how you sell it to Matt Barzell. Well, well, hold on there, uh general manager, grumpy old man. I get it that you're rebuilding out and you want to make the team around me. Just, are, are you happy? I, I, want, I, want, I want to. I want to go to a team that has cap space that's on the cusp. But I want to go to. I, I want to play out west. I want to go play for Calgary. I want to go play for XYZ team that's close to winning. They already. Okay, have they will trade you. They will trade you. If you really don't want to be here, we'll move you because we get a king's ransom. It just speeds up our rebuild. That's fine. If that's if that's the answer he gives, no problem. We'll try to accommodate you. We'll <laughs> trade you for a king's ransom, and we'll just start our full on rebuild. That's fine because believe me, I got an answer for every possible scenario. You still don't get the end result that you desired and wanted, though. Yes, a full rebuild is exactly what I want. Oh my god, that's what I want. That's my end game. Jesus, man, grumpy old man. If I oh. could, I cut Andersley. Brian J says, Coach Giants rebuilds coming by 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 Bud Jones. Yeah, um, Anders or oh my god, Andrew Ladd has more goals than Capo Caco. It means he's probably got more goals than uh, Josh Bailey too. It was it was it was odd to see back Andrew Ladd. I mean, he was nondescript. That was nice. It was odd to see him back in in a, in a Coyotes uniform. He's got five goals this season. Five goals and three assists. Be one of our he's top playing, five goal scorers. He's, he's playing fourteen minutes a night for the Arizona Good for Coyotes. Him. Good for him. I guess he, he could play after all, huh? Never given a shot. He said he said as much when he left. I never got a shot. They never let it. They never gave him a shot. I'm not even saying they should have, but they never did. Because Barry just plays his guys. Everybody else, I don't give a shit about you. Both players are minus there on the score sheet, too. And, geez, I tell you. So, I don't know. I mean, look at Parise's production. Parise is an energy guy. And I'm not sure that Andrew, Andrew, or, uh, Andrew Ladd has that anymore. But he's got five goals on the season to, to you're going to play <laughs> as a bottom six guy. Uh, yeah. Mm, I tell you. Pick it to the Giants at number five, Grumpy. No. One of my brothers is a Niners fan. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get through. There's a lot. There's a lot of football talk, Grumpy old man. Well, we can talk about those tomorrow. You want to talk football? Listen to I'm going to teach you the Grumpy old man show. tomorrow. Yep. Um, uh, Paulo C said here, uh, Trotz is not the right coach for this team anymore in the future going forward because we have to get younger. He's a good coach but not anymore for this team. And that's what I feel like we're seeing too. And that's kind of the, the sentiment that I'm coming around to. Trotz is a good coach, 
But for what this team is, the current spot where the team is and what they're going to have to do to move forward, I don't think Trotz is the best option. I think he's still a very good coach, but it's like, uh, you know, it's not you, it's me. He's not a fit for the direction that the team needs to take going forward. That's that's the nicest way I can put it. Anthony are saying very depressed because I could see what's coming in the future. I truly worry about Barzal leaving. Uh, I worry about uh, I worry about that we will uh, because the league's doormat if we'll become the league's doormat if that happens. I don't think it's far fetched to think that way. Well, we have nobody in the minor league system. That's the biggest issue. One guy. They mortgaged. They mortgaged the. Well, we don't. You don't even know. You mortgage the future to fortify a team in their thirties. It's just, it's so stupid. It's scary. It's so, it's so dumb that I, I can't even describe how dumb it is, but here's the thing. This is not, like I said, I'm uh, there's no shame in my game. Cause I'm always the same. I've been saying this for two years and you saw it coming, but now we're, Oh shit. Here it is. Now it's upon you. Yeah. It's both number one C's got knocked out today. Yep. If you want to go ahead and, and secure, if Lou really wants to take it to the next step, secure Barzal and move on from Trots. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure that that's going to happen. I think that Lou and Barry, no matter what the results are this year, we could be a bottom five team in the NHL. Let's say all hell breaks loose and we just start to struggle. They're still going to be back the next year and the last year, both of their contracts. Just going to be the case. Unfortunately, I think. Hmm. Grumpy, I tell you, man. Uh, Jerry Ben said, all right, Grumpy. So you have the mic um, to put on Barry on the hot seat for four intense questions. What do you ask? I'll let you think about it, Grumpy, if you need to formulate some answers, and I'll kind of go through some additional comments. But uh, why, why would I, I don't even need to ask four questions. I'd ask one question, then we tried to dodge it. I, uh, You're going to have to use all that. your questions like a like a genie that won't go ahead and give you the wish that you asked for. You have to continue to, to hammer them on the same question. Yeah, okay, here's the question number one. You say you bench, and I'll just do it based off what he said the last week because it's easy. You said that you want, that you benched Oliver Wallstrom because he wasn't consistent. Why don't you hold the veterans to that same standard where Josh Bailey was just absolutely invisible turning the puck over game after game earlier in the season? Was there any ever consideration sitting him, and why do you treat the younger players different just based on what you have done in the past. I don't know how we try to spin that. Well, yes, there was consideration for Josh Bailey. There's always consideration to, to bench players. You know, Why don't you ever eight, bench in a player eight. over the age of 25? Ever. Well, I have done that. I mean, if you no, look you at one, it, name we've, one, we've done name it with Casey Zizekas at times. We've done it with with uh, Cal Clutterbuck at times when players have struggled. You know, there's 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 competitiveness on this team. This team is a team that you've got you to lose fight. all the time, Barry. Your team's a loser right now. The veterans that you roll out there every night are not performing. Why aren't you benching them for poor performance? They have been consistent, just consistently bad. Give me your press pass. All you care about. Give me your press pass. Get this guy out of here. Give me your press pass. Get out of here. I get get this guy out of here because I wouldn't take his bullshit. You can't run over him when he's answering a question like I. Here's the thing. I I would cut him off. Uh -uh. No, no. I don't need spin patrol. Don't need spin patrol. (laughs) You ever heard of Paul Patrol, Barry Trotz? You're the opposite. Spin patrol. Oh, good gracious. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'll tell you. Um, ugh. Uh, well, we grabbed the popcorn there. Uh, Barry likes defense. Yeah, I tell you. 
Um, and then Paula's saying, uh, we need to petition to send. No, he's not going to fire. Uh, John P says, Lou, Barry, uh, Barry, change your ways. Play the youth, Barry. But Lou, my success, Lou. Lane Lambert gets it, Barry. But Lou, Lou, no buts, Barry. Yeah, why would the young? Here's another one. Would you see the production of the young players when when Lane Lambert was the coach? Why did you think they performed better for him than for you? Mm. Let's see what he says, because that's a legitimate question. They were really performing when you were out with COVID. Why is that? And why are they not performing like that with your head coach? Well, Do you think you get the most out of your players like well, Lane Lambert has done? He he just flipped the freaking question. He said, "Well, well, Grumpy, that's actually you know, I, I think you kind of answered the question. I answered the question today, right? I told you that I sat out Oliver Washington from consistency, right? With these young players that perform well, they go through ebbs and flows. They could perform. Why were they consistent well. when you weren't coaching? Why weren't they consistent? Why were they consistently good when you weren't behind the bench? And when you are behind the bench, they're consistently bad. Do you think it's time for you to step down as head coach so those players, the better players, get a chance to play?" Um, here you go. Jerry Ben says, don't you wish the media would press Barry the way they press Leon dry saddle and Connor McDavid? I would love for that. I'd yep. love for them to press him, but he has, don't press. You can't do that. You can't press anything. Can't do that. Can't press it. That's freaking nuts. Ah, love you guys. Love you too. Michael M. Michael M. Yeah, absolutely. The parking situations, uh, terrible. If you don't prepay, Ooh, let's take that in note. Um, oh, goodness gracious, I'll tell you, tonight was not on Varlamov, is what he's saying there, Michael M. He certainly wasn't. Oh, we were good. outplayed. We were outplayed. Yeah. They're better than us. They're better than us. These are the games I look forward to seeing against the good teams because it let, it's a measuring stick game. So far, we don't measure up. Uh, Matthew S. saying, just got home from the game, disgusted at our effort. And like I said, uh, terrible decision with the goalies. Even worse than, uh, even worse, stuck on a train with a ton of Rangers fan. I was, I was, uh, I was in a Gillies jersey, or I was at a Gillies jersey to the Rafter game in December of 1996. Yeah. Nice. Oh, uh, Jake B saying here, maybe Trotz is having long term COVID brain fog. That's actually a thing, by the way. Yeah, no, that's he was it. making those decisions before that, too, before he had COVID. Yeah. He's mm. been benching your cousin long before that. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, how long before this place and opening and opening his legs? Uh, oh, way, uh, way too soon. Uh, my bad. That was about the uh, same predicament. Uh, Eve L says, uh, Is it possible Lou can't see that this team is old and slow? I, I gotta think Lou sees that. I have to think he sees it. How can you not see it? Anything with speed just owns you. Owns you. Even Detroit, who would just, I mean, think about how bad Detroit was last year. Even they came out with speed. We couldn't handle them. The teams that re- that we beat are the shitty teams like the Devils, the, the Sabres, the Sabres, Flyers. Flyers yeah. I mean, Arizona Coyotes. Those are shit squads. That's why we beat them. Anyone who's any good kicks our ass off the planet. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Paulo C said here, Gillies was talented and scored 30-plus goals for six seasons, 20-plus goals for two seasons, and had one 19-goal season. Yeah. Played 14 years in the league. 
Jer Ben says, wrong, Grumpy. Predicted we would make the playoffs this offseason. You guys both predicted. Yeah, I, I know. You know what? I, I thought. Here's, you know what? here's the thing. Grumpy and Grumpy told me to. We talked about it beforehand. I'm like, dude, I said, hopefully you're not going to come out there and say we're not going to. I changed. I, I really thought he was going to. I really thought. Here's the thing. Coming off of two Eastern Conference finals, back-to-back -back years in a row. And again, off of at a time period in the offseason, we were all pretty happy. Our expectations were to go to the Stanley Cup. What place, what place did I tell not, you? I said, you could not predict us not to make the playoffs, Grumpy. I said, please don't do that for us. What place did I say I was going to predict them in? Do you remember? I don't remember. Fifth. I thought we were coming fifth in the conference. But I said, I can't do it. I said that. I said, I cannot do it. I cannot lose everybody in preseason. I can't lose them. That's why I said second place. Because I, there was no way I was ever picking them to beat Carolina. No freaking way. But uh -huh. you saw the way I – the one team that I underestimated was the Rangers. Yes. I but told – I said, I said, don't, don't be shocked the Rangers bounce back. I really thought I, – I missed a mark on Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I knew I, I knew Carolina. I knew Carolina was – here's the thing. Carolina is really, really good. And we're never – we're ne I, can't, I can't imagine a scenario in the next two to three years where we beat Carolina. Uh, Jared Ben Grump, I got two things for you, and I'll and I'll be right back. Jared Ben says, "Do you guys think Barry needs some sort of antipsychotics or psych meds or anything?" I don't think so, but I'll let no. Grumpy answer that when I come back. And he also says, "Who would win in an arm wrestling match, Lou Lamarillo or Coach Tommy B?" And I'll be back, Grumpy. Uh, first of all, again, TJ, man, this is the second time he's got to take a piss during a damn podcast. Unbelievable. Uh, so no, uh, Barry does not need psychotic meds or anything like that, or you know. A Thorzine drip, nothing like that. Um, and I think Lou Lamarillo would kick Tommy Baffy's ass in an arm wrestling match, in a fight, in a pinochle game, uh, shooting craps, everything. He'd just dominate Tommy Baffy. That's what I think. So no problem there. And the only thing that Tommy Baffy would beat Lou Lamarillo in would be throwing out the trash in his office because that's what that's something Tommy's really good at. As a nighttime janitor at the Islanders' offices, he's able to pick up that trash, dump it in the trash can. Lou knows what he's putting in there now. Now, just enough to send us off the – he knows that Tommy talks to us, so he just gives him just enough information to get us off the scent or go in a wild goose chase. That's what he does. I don't know why those are the type of questions that TJ puts up there for me to pontificate about, something ridiculous like that when he goes and wanders away nothing you know like that so i got to kind of riff i know i know Grumpy. i know here's the thing i give it i give it to tommy b i think tommy b would beat lou lamarillo i think he would snap his old <laughs> lou lamarillo is how old grumpy 80s 78 79 he's old yeah he's about to say now yeah. i got coach tommy b i got coach tommy b in in a in a i'm talking about lou's tough as shit lou's tough as shit lou's tough as shit <laughs> Dude, when you get 78, 80, 78, 79 years okay. old, you don't have any, any muscle left on your bones. Come on. Okay. All right. Uh, time be saying, Everly wanted to say he was very set select, Seattle selected. Who cares? Who cares? He wasn't, part, he wasn't part of the solution either. That's why I don't care that we lost him. He needed to go. We got to get rid of the guys in our 30s. I had no problem at all with him leaving. I had no problem with Nick Letty leaving. I have no problem if Brock Nelson leaves or Anders Lee, or Josh Bailey. No problem with any of them leaving. Anybody on the fourth line can leave. Mm. Jeremy says, why in God's green effing earth would Wallstrom of all our, who's our fourth or our second leading goal scorer, be scratched tonight against Toronto? Like what in the actual poop? He's getting the Barzell treatment that Barzell was getting a few years ago. 
that infuriated us so much. He's just getting the same treatment. He, his thing, he doesn't give it to Bellas. I like how everybody else has a nickname. Barzy, uh, Leezy, Nelly, you know, all these guys. Bells. But, yeah, Bellows. He doesn't have a name. I mean, he can't even – and he catches himself when he screws up those Freudian slips. I pick on him up on him immediately because I'm looking for them because I know how this guy operates. You can tell. It's no mm. shit. I know his, I know his M.O. I'd be saying the owners are fourth in attendance. I got them at 12th. And here's the thing. It's like one of those things where maybe all the tickets are sold for the games, but people don't actually go and attend. So I'd be interested the in-person. Maybe they sell out. Maybe all the tickets are sold out, but I'm not sure what the actual. Maybe for the first year. I could see that. Everyone wants to be part of it. I mean, the resale market is all you need to see. I see a lot of empty seats every night. And that's what I was about to say. Like, I don't even know. It's tough to tell. It's hard to discern this because, like, when I look at this, I'm like, there's no way in hell that we're that high. And we look at, like, the percentage of attendance per tickets that you have available. The honors okay. are 106%. Okay. I'm going to tell you what, though. That's not fair because you look at the size of the arenas of some of the other buildings. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're looking at – wait, is that by building size, the, the first – uh, column there. So this metric here Average. percentage is how many people you have coming into the games. Oh, okay. Well, our percentage for the amount of the available seats you have. We oh, apparently maybe. sell out. We more than sell out at one hundred point eight percent. And Seattle is selling one hundred point zero or one hundred point three percent. One team has one hundred and four percent. Yeah, again, I don't really quite grasp uh, it. Uh, Vegas. I mean, how the hell is that possible? Oh, maybe they just run tours through there. Stance. You know, I don't. You know. get tickets with a comp, but you really don't get to go. I don't know. Shoot, um, to shoot dice. Other think. fans want ten dollar tickets, one dollar hot dogs, two dollar beer. I want that too. Oh man, oh man. Who would want that? Um, Jerry Ben said, "Remember when TJ was like, of course we would have a huge home ice advantage edge once UBS opens.'" And Grump thought, "Like I don't even know, we haven't played there yet, TJ." Uh, and TJ thought he was on crack. Yeah, I do yep. remember that. Yeah. I, like I said, TJ, anything I try to, I, I can't even, sometimes I can't even be rational because he just attacks me. I'm like, dude, how do you make those statements? You don't even know anything. Okay. We have played better at home than we have on the road. Okay. Have we played better at home than we did at the Coliseum? Well, no, 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 no. Okay. The Coliseum last year, we had 21 wins in like four or five losses. Only so, two no. in regulation. So the answer is no. no. No, no, no. We still have home ice advantage. We win way more games at home than we do on the road. That okay. is also a fact. Okay. Our but numbers on the road are so awful. And at home, they're not about 21. You, to four thought, you thought our home ice advantage was going to be just like the Coliseum. I said, you don't know that. And it's not, right? It's not. And it won't be. It will not be that percentage of wins like it was at the Coliseum. How did that age take? How did that? Uh, how did that take age? Not bad. And you know, if I'm not at all, it didn't age at all. As soon as we started playing there, it was over. The only thing that saved them is that you know we didn't start playing until the middle of November. We have okay. What? Don't you worry, Grumpy. I'll pull it up there. Yeah, pull up our home record. I'm interested. Um. Yeah, Michael M. Yeah. Oh, I like the new. I like the new picture, Michael M. And look oh, at yeah. that. That look is that old one. I like the old uh, Islanders, man. I like the fishermen. I yeah, love it. I love the I love the fisherman jersey. How many fourth liners does Barzal have to play with? Every year it seems like anytime there's an injury, he always gets a fourth liner thrown on his line. It he's makes played with Anders Lee. He's played with Anders Lee most of his career, so all the time. God almighty. Oh man. As I'm trying to pull that up, Grumpy. Yeah, what a never mind. 
Um, yep, he's playing there, slightly level-headed, but you put Zarnak, a fourth-line center, and you put Wallstrom, you know, on the first-line right wing. It's not and like rocket science. It really isn't. Ryan P. said, their weak, pathetic media will never ask Lou and Barry a tough question. They're so afraid. They are. They're petrified of them. Oh, Barry, what's your favorite color? So, so sorry to hear about your Barry. Now, okay, it's going to come off sounding bad, but I'm just going to tell do you. It, then. I know no, what you're I'm doing. doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going there. Don't do it, damn it. Barry. I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. You know, I know what you're going through because I went through that with my mom. Dude, this is a freaking press conference. You're supposed to be asking questions about the game. And then he goes into a question, the question about uh, Bellows, and then he gives him the freaking smirk and asks him what he thinks. Barry took totally took over that particular question session, and he had Gross answering questions. I, if I'm Gross, I'm going, I'm not answering the questions, bro. I'm asking you the questions. What do you want to hear what I think? You're the guy. You're, they're not paying me to coach a team. They're paying you. Your team's losing. Uh, that, that's failure on your part. Explain it to me. Mm. <sighs> grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. What's your favorite color, Barry? Oh, that's mine too. They do ask them easy questions. That is true. I uh, would not have used the same situation in the scenario you did, but they do use that's easy exactly That's exactly what happened in that interview. That is exactly what happened in the interview. That's why I brought it up. About the death of his mother. That is exactly what happened in the interview. That's why I brought it up. Wow. That's how he prefaced the start of his questions. He said about his mom and then how he went through it with his mom. I'm like, why are you asking about that? You just say, sorry for your mom. That's it. It's like he's begging for his approval. Stop. You're asking him questions. You don't need his approval. You work for Newsday. You don't work for Barry. At least I don't think you do. Maybe you do. I was about to say, Grumpy, maybe he does is right. Lick that boot, weasel. <laughs> God almighty. Um, to give you the response, the Islanders' home record and away record are the same exact, 7-7-3. Seven, seven, and three. So not as good as at the Coliseum, right? So they're a 500 team. 500 team, is that as good as the Coliseum? I'd say that was better than a Coliseum. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Once again, thanks for proving me right. Why don't you tell me again how uh, Andrews Lee is better than Patrick Kane? I never did that, and here we go again. Down the same bullshit hole like Grumpy likes to live in. Everyone almighty. Yeah. What the hell was Trotz referring to when he said that Wallstrom's inconsistent? Like, what type of consistency have we seen from that dinosaur, Chara? Yeah, that's it. He's been consistently bad. Passengers tonight. That's right, Matthew S. I thought there were a lot of passengers tonight, too. I, (sighs) I just think we can't keep up with teams like Toronto. And Joel says, a lot of coaches use the trot system. They've just modernized it. Or here's what they do. They have younger players on the team who can skate and play that type of system. Sutter does it up in in Calgary. Mm. Yep. And Jared Ben says here, what kind of consistency have we seen from Kyle, just some guy, Palmieri? Yeah, another good question. His name is Kyle F. Minus Palmieri. Uh, Time B saying Salo had another solid game tonight. I think so too. But the thing that's going to piss me off is Salo's going to go right back to the bench. True. That's just going to drive me nuts. I mean, I think he's played well. He should continue to get time, but he's going to go right to the bench. True. Nelson and Barzal were terrible. I thought Barzal had a bad game. I thought he looked disinterested as hell, and I think Brock Nelson had a bad game too. I'm just like, I we need the top players to start freaking performing. It's as simple as that. We only have one top player on our team. We have one. Everybody else is just a ham and freaking egger. Every other one is a ham and egger. I don't count Walsh because he's a healthy scratch. Bellows, another scratch. Everybody else are just the Jags. That's why they're known as Maddie and the Jags. 
Mm-hmm. Nothing special about anybody but Matt Barzell on that offensive group. Nothing. Yep, and that's right, Jerban. Yeah, why the hell are you playing Wallstrom? Ninth in shootout, setting out defensemen, and Zach simply can't skate anymore. Parise, what the F? Yep, and Matthew S. here saying, strangely enough, I've been in attendance for both Zach Parise goals. Wow, you're his good luck charm. I was about to say, uh, he does he call you and text you like, hey, Matt, Matthew, you, you in attendance tonight? Okay, I can score. <laughs> um, Robert G says team clearly plays better under Lambert. The team looked I, different under Lambert, but looked, again, they were they were lesser teams they were playing is also worth noting too. Okay, I'm going to say we didn't look great against Washington, and Lambert coached that game as well. Yep. But that said, the younger players we were more entertaining, and the younger players looked better. They were the best players on your team. The old guys just suck. There's nothing you can do with suck. It's not getting any better. They're caught in the suck zone. No coincidence. Many players uh, struggled since Trotz came back. Yep. And Vinny Smith saying here, Bailey, minus one and three giveaways. Didn't miss a shift. Most ice time at any forward. Yikes. He likes that, but he's consistent. He's just consistently bad. Jared Ben says, funny thing about playing Bellos on the right wing and Pajot on the Pajot line this game is that Parise has a history of playing both. <laughs> Can easily be moved to right wing. Yeah, so that's why I'm just kind of left scratching my head. Parise had he played right wing up for this year. and <laughs> He didn't want to risk Bellows looking good out there so he can get rid of him when Palmieri comes back up. It's all it's all part of his master plan, I'm telling you. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. But it, oh, it, it, I, Really? So when Palmieri comes honestly, back in, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to really quick. I don't know what to make of it because do I think that a guy is purposely trying to sabotage? Bell? No, I don't think that's the case. But it makes no sense. You're right. Parise has had history of playing right wing. Is more comfortable playing right wing, and now we're playing Bellos like he's some sort of right wing. And back, you know, in two of his last three games, Bellos has played. He's been on the white right wing. It makes no freaking sense. It's part of his plan. I keep telling you. It's part of his plan. He wants Palmieri back in. He doesn't want him to risk Bellows looking good. Put him in the least possible chance for him to succeed, even though it would help the team doing it the other way. He doesn't give a shit because as far as he's he's got he doesn't feel he's got he feels he's got job security too. Just like Bellows, uh, just like Bailey, Nelson, Lee, all of them. They all have job security for life. That's what he thinks. I'm surprised he's not getting Islander Social Security checks. Jer Ben says, so who would win in a fight? Prime Matt Martin or Ross Johnston? Oh, my God. Ooh, buddy, that's Ross tough. Johnston, Johnston would absolutely eat him alive. <laughs> Hold on. Matt Martin used to be a hell of a fighter. My God, Ross Johnson would have eaten him alive at any part of his career. Ross Johnson's a true fighter. He would kill Matt Martin. <laughs> kill him. You hear that, Matt Martin? Are you going to take that, Matt Martin? Or are you going to fight Ross Johnson next game, next day in practice? Please. Oh, man. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, I, I I think maybe Ross has a slight edge. But, dude, don't. Dip. Man, Matt, Matt Martin used to be a hell of a fighter back in his prime. Come on. Okay. Um, Drew L says, people forget Bellis and Wallstrom are only 21 years old. They're still pups. They got to, you know, no. they got to let them learn. The hard Bellos way. is older than that. Yeah. I think he's 23. Okay. But, but never yeah, given a chance. Mm-hmm. Got to learn a hard way to minimize mistakes by continuously playing them and not benching them. It only hurts their ceilings. Mm-hmm. Trots, trots is, the trots run is clearly over. Stick a fork in them. Go young. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. God almighty. I don't know. A chair fan says, grumpy. Uh, would you rather be a bisexual raver or a Buddhist hipster? Serious question. I don't even think, grumpy, do you know what those are? 
his thing. I'm never going to be a bisexual. So forget that one. I'll go with the Buddhist hipster. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, man. Um, and then he says, Jurel says, uh, the only guy I disagree with on your takes is Bavillier. I think he can produce consistently if we surround him with the right pieces. I think that he's just a wildly inconsistent player, unfortunately. That's what he is. He's just, he's streaky. He's streaky. At, at that point on a really good team, he's a third line left wing. Yep. And we've got him as a second line left wing and we expect him to produce. I just don't think what we've seen this year kind of solidifies. I originally had hopes for him, but he just kind of is what he is. Double op buck prep says I'm back. Um, it's my wife's birthday. So whatever Grump said while I was gone, I agree with. Happy birthday to your wife. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he thinks Pavilion's got top six potential. Robert G says we cannot beat any top team. Uh, if you can't call compete, uh, then turn over and go young. Sell, sell, sell. Thank you very much. Difference is our next 28 to 29 years old. Wallstrom is still too young for trots. Is your, uh, okay. Is your next a bottom? He's a bottom pairing guy. Tops third line. That, those are the only guys we pick up. REC said, uh, this show is a ball of fun. It should now be called the grumpy young and old man. No, I don't think I'm too grumpy. I was I, anytime the, the player personal decisions drive me freaking nuts about trots. That's when I get on them. Other than that, usually I'm kind of optimistic, but that player personnel give me no reason to be optimistic right now. Um, Jeff and also saying John Taffer, John Taffer, John Taffer, the bar or Elliot Stabler. Okay. The other guy's a freaking actor and he's small. Okay. Uh, he also says, Grump, what are your favorite three t towns in Long Island and why? Please tell me you're not a Suffolk guy. Or Suffolk. I'm, a, I'm a Suffolk County guy without a doubt. I lived in Oakdale. So Wontaw, that's where my mom lived and my dad, uh, both of them were raised there. And I'll just throw out Sayville because I had a lot of fun there. Um, gotcha. And then Paul F. saying, I'm going to try to convince the booster. Huntington was nice too. Hot bog. Try to convince Booster Club in Texas to, to chant fire trots at the Dallas game if he isn't already gone by then. <laughs> now he's gone. Um, gotcha. Yeah, both of my NFL picks today, Bengals and the, and the 49ers. Oh my God, both are gonna be what you know, both are gonna be in the Super Bowl. That's a rematch in 1988, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. I think so. Uh so much for drafting Trey Lance. Yeah, they're gonna Trey Lance is the future there. I mean, Jamie Grappolo sucks. Um yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Jared Ben saying, TJ, what position did you play in hockey and how old were you when you stopped? Roller or ice? I played ice hockey. Uh, who did you try to model your game after? I was young when I played hockey. I stopped playing when I started really kind of being more serious in football. I tried to, I took a few years off of hockey and came back. I was like, nope, let me just stick to football. I don't know when I stopped, but I was young, but I was a center in hockey. Um, youth killer uh, has cost the kids to go backwards since his return. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, I'll tell you. Ooh, I bet TJ was a Josh Bailey type player. Oh, Only shit. pass, never shoot. No, I was. <laughs> uh, Paulo C saying, oh, TJ happens to get Bailey. Paulo C said, Trot system is not good anymore uh, for this team. The players bought into the system and a COVID shortened season, but now we're older and we have a full 82 game season. Very hard to play that system that long of a time period. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Yep. We've already talked about that ad nauseum. 
time be saying Barzal had to, uh, had two contract or two had to agree to uh, contracts a three year at seven point five million, which brought us to the cap ceiling. Um, we needed to clear two million to get to the agreed eight years, nine and a half. They tried to dump Lad, but found no takers. Uh, Barzal signed on the last day of camp. That's a failure on the front office. That's a failure on the front office. Two million dollars. You couldn't find a way to get rid of two million dollars. You couldn't. Have, here's the thing. You got. You could have got rid of Thomas Hickey instead. Thomas That's Hickey a would cost you a lot less at that like time. If you really wanted to get into the eight year, okay, let's get rid of Thomas Hickey real quick. He's two and a half million. It's a little cheaper one. Okay, and find an additional way. So there was a way if they really yeah, wanted. They to. just. They just. They're just not creative enough. And 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 Thomas not Hickey, good enough. Thomas Hickey, Thomas Hickey would have cleared one and a half million up, and then you could have said, okay, there was another way too. I mean, like God Almighty. I, there was a way. Um, and I don't think, Jerry Ben says, I don't think Trotz is trying to sabotage the team, but how in the F else do you justify what he's doing this year? I don't know. That's that's the biggest question for me. I don't think he's trying to purposely sabotage like Kiefer Bellows, but he admitted that he knew he didn't set them up for the best chance of success when he played them on right wing. And so what does Barry Trotz do? Two, two games or three games later, puts him right back on the right wing again. You just said in your post-game interview that it kind of wasn't fair to Kiefer to put him on the right-wing spot because he's never played it before. And what you do, you do the same fucking thing. That type of shit. That type of shit is... That's who he is. Bullshit. That's, he, here's a, that's he, bullshit on Trotz. Yeah, that's but he knows, he knows who he wants to play. He just shouldn't lie about it. He just be honest. Yeah, I'm just playing my guys. I don't give a shit about these. I could care less about their development. Send them, if they want to develop, send them down the minors. They're not playing on this team. Grump was a power forward. I thought the power forward didn't exist back then. Yeah, I was just a Billy Badass out there. All right. That's what he used to call me, <laughs> Billy Badass. Oh, God. That's right. Uh, they didn't have that term then. They didn't have the term Billy Badass? They had that. They didn't have power forward, though. As Joel says, in other words, top six forwards on bad teams that just existed, like Kyle Palmieri. Yeah. Andy, his face looks like a big toe green. Oh, God. You can't trade players with no uh, with full no trade clauses if they don't want to leave. Yeah, I was about to say with with Andrew Andrews Lee. I know you want to be like super. Yeah, here's the thing: you can make it so fucking miserable. You can make it so miserable for him that he wants to leave. You could do that. You could do that. They did it with with Andrew Ladd. Mm. They think about how miserable they made it for him. They made him ride the bus. They made him ride the bus. They made it miserable for him, and he That's didn't even did. he didn't even want to he didn't even want to retire though. Think about how miserable well, they made it. But they so they made it miserable for him. They can do that, please. Uh, Wallstrom, Barzal, Bellows, um, Bavillier, Nelson, Lee, Sarnak, Pajot, Bailey, uh, Johnson, Coivola, Del Cole, Pelic, Pulak, uh, Mayfield, Dobson, Aho, Salo. That's what I think uh, Al Arbor would have put out there on the ice. Okay, I don't. Well, I don't know. TJ having an aneurysm when Grump theoretically brings up the trading Lee because he thinks he's untradeable is hilarious. It is. He can't trade him, and Grumpy just keeps saying. Okay, you know what? You're so you wrong. Know what it's like? You know what it's like? So it's like wrong. the same people that it propagate. Okay. We can maybe make a move for Don't Conflict. say it can happen. You could say it's improbable, but don't say it's impossible. It's impossible. If you learn for anything from the I Godfather. Think I, have, I, think I, I think I have a likelihood of getting hit by lightning five know, times in a matter of three minutes than, than Andrews Lee being traded. You know what? Here's the thing. In the Godfather Part Two, when they were talking about killing Hyman Roth, and Tom Hagen says to Michael, Michael, it's impossible. We can't possibly get to him. He's like, Well, first he goes, Do you feel like you need to wipe them, wipe everybody out? I need to wipe everybody out, Tom. Just my enemies. He says, just consider this. He's going to be dying in six months anyway. He's been dying the same heart attack for 20 years. He's a can it be done. It's impossible. You can't get to him. 
He's like, you know what, Tom? After everything we've been through, it surprises me that you think like that. And then Rocco, he says, and Rocco goes, um, difficult, but not impossible. Thanks. Rocco had to pay the price and die, but he got Hyman Roth. It was so a it can happen. Mission. He thought he could just go and shoot in broad daylight and escape via running away. And he pops him. He's trying to run away. And he's at the police officer. Bah, 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 bah. They still traded him off the team. Jer Ben said, uh, who would win in a fight? Patrick Kane or Anders Lee? Anders Lee. Yeah, that's the only thing he's better at. That's the only thing. He's Higher trade at. value. Patrick Kane's jockstrap or Anders Lee? Jockstrap. <laughs> Kane's jock. <laughs> um, Paul is saying, what happened to Lou in New Jersey? He used to he used to um, fire coaches left and right for bad coaching. Where does Lou go with uh, where does Lou go? Fire trots. He also didn't pass gas like he does now. So that's what happens when you get older. You don't want to change things up all the time. Better singer. Uh, who is better, Johnny Cash or Frank Sinatra? Sinatra is a better singer. Come on. Um, uh, Kevin H saying trots is a coach uh, team like Edmonton needs right now. Yes. Any reassuring hand to stop the bleeding in the short term. Yep. We need someone more dynamic and adaptable to change and open up to risk. How do you think McDavid and dry would like it, playing for trots? He so, would have to adapt what his ideology. He, he had made it work a little bit with, with Alexander Ovechkin. I think he could make it work on another superstar, but I tell you, he would have to adapt a bit to, as to what we see now. But that's the type of team he because they're loaded with talent, and that's a team he needs to go to. I mean, I I mean, I think he'd have success there at least in the regular season. Mm. I agree, TJ Grump. Yes, Lou and Trotz will be back next year. Ownership will not fire or make any drastic change after the previous two seasons. So get ready for another bad year in 2023. Yep, I'm thinking the same thing. Unless we make major overhauls, unfortunate or grumpy. Nothing. Um, Jer Ben saying here, Grump, we only beat shit squads. Well, yeah. We're almost getting there, Grumpy. I thank you. Thank you. I know it's in a long one here for us today. Drew L says here, oh, yeah, the cartel asked Brock Nelson if uh, if he knew what their record was against playoff caliber teams. That's a question you should ask Barry morons. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't have an answer. Can you beat a team that's going to make the playoffs in the Eastern Division? Mm. We beat Boston. You lost to everybody else. Uh, Paul F saying here, uh, this season has been the most depressing I've seen. I think we're making up for me skipping the dark times in the early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, it's not a good year. And next year won't be either. Mm. They can try to sell you that this, that, and the other thing. It'll be worse next year. Mm. Much worse. Because <sighs> everyone's going to be older. He laughed hysterically, by the way, at your Tommy B comment there. Um, and then uh, Mario says, uh, you can hear Leafs fans tonight at the nursing homes. Oh, you can hear the – oh, yeah. Oof. Uh, and then Tommy B saying here, club seats, that's why. Uh, people who buy a hundreds, uh, hundreds in the club seats can go into the clubs. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense how they can have over 100%. Um, oh. Jesus, is Grumpy Old Man's, uh-oh, Barry gets the Joe Biden treatment? Oh, goodness. Okay, Christ. now see, here's the difference. No. <laughs> okay, you put your buddy puts that comment up. Don't make it political. I just, I didn't your, even read it. Your, I put it up. No, 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 no. I don't care. The comment doesn't matter. Your buddy puts that comment up, you put it there. And when Warzone puts it on, you click it right off immediately. Because he's Tommy's your buddy. But yes, Tommy, the answer is yes. Okay, I didn't read it the same way I say, okay, let's not get, I, I just said, said, let's not get things political. But he, I, Barry does get touched with kid gloves for that, for certain. Um, oh, Drew L says, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Why do I feel like uh, Barry and Lou's press conferences just make me feel like, oh, 
as North Korea is portrayed like uh, they're, you know, by the media. Yeah. yeah. Um, trade Croc Nelson as soon as possible. Uh, uh, REC said the Coliseum had slow ice and dead boards. Perfectly like the style of play. Yep. Uh, we're now on a fight, fast ice and lively boards. That is good for fast, talented teams. Yeah, we seem to have really have trouble skating on the new ice. Mm. And then Alexander said, it's a shame that this team is going to be, you know, in a new arena coming off the back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals, and we're starting to look up like we've hit the complete wall. TJ, you must be blind. I don't I, I don't see how ha- I don't see uh trots, if you don't see trots, don't see destroying, trots destroying bellows. Gotcha. Yeah, he is. Um Drew L said, honestly, Grump, why do you call Brock Croc? Why not just co- cock? Um, no, because he's a crook. Yeah, croc. I just, I just changed the, I just changed the B for a C because he's a crock of shit, for the most part. Angel R said, just not skilled enough. That's all. What now? Uh, TJ, I sent you the video from Gilly's retirement ceremony. Yeah, we saw it, but just for in lieu of time, maybe we'll bring it up again next time. But it's just kind of late in the podcast. Drew L said, uh, you could stick a fork in Trots, uh, <laughs> giant, uh, giant forehead. Uh, it's a target. It's pretty easy. It's pretty hard to miss. Okay. I got a bigger head than trots, a lot bigger head than trots. Uh, okay. His head part. goes all the way to the back of his neck. Mm. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I mean, what? His head, his forehead goes all the way to the back of his neck. He's bald. You have something on top. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Drew L says, damn grump. You're saying, uh, when I was a child, I had a chance to accidentally run into you, uh, you parent, your parents and friends. Probably. And he says, I, I live in Wanta. That's where my, that's where my uh, mom and dad came from. Time B said, nobody wanted to take you. Nobody wanted lad too. So you could have just paired. We couldn't get rid of lad. Couldn't move him. We wound up moving him. Like I said, there was last year's left on contract. Hickey's contract didn't take up enough. Possible. His and you would have got one point five million off camp. It's too late. Roll through. I'm more of a Belmore. Represent. Um, Nobody wants Hickey. Uh, Hickey was just outright uh, outright at the Bridgeport to keep us under the cap. Yep. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. So you only had you got to remove one whatever million off the cap it, along with Lad. uh, But grumpy. I'm getting here to end. The only team that showed interest in Hickey was Detroit and want us to eat 50% of his deal. Mm. And then uh, Warzone Senior Sister says, no team uh, would ever take Andrews Lee for $7 million AAV. I don't give a shit. Eat half of it. Get him off your team. Get him off your team. Eat half of the contract. Get for younger players. They don't make as much money. You don't, you're not going to have to pay $3.5 million for a guy who's on his rookie deal. Get so- rid of him. I don't care. Get him off the team. He's an albatross. So you know what I think when you say that? All I can think of is the moment in Moneyball when I can't remember who they're talking to, but it's a player that was came from the, the Yankees. He said, the Islanders think so much for you. They traded you for us. They traded you to us. And they're going to pay us to play to play you every single night. <laughs> that, means that, they, that means that they don't want him on the team anymore. Get I, rid of him. It's not gonna, he's a full no trade. Salary cap's going to go up. Old like I said, team. you have to approach. You have to approach it, and just say we're going a different direction. We want you, you're never going to be a winner here, so and that'll really tell you something. We want to move you contender. Are you willing to do that? If he says no, and I'd say you fucking loser. That's why we want to get rid of your ass. <laughs> Stop. Okay, just roll through the last couple because I'm done here. 
I've been podcasting seven o'clock today. I had to wake your ass up to get on the podcast. Oh man, most of the I said I don't want to go eight hundred hours after a game, and here it is, eight hundred and ten hours. Yeah, there it is. REC said good night, guys. Let them get a little bit fire shots. I said it, uh, grumpy. All right, let's wrap things up here. Thank you, number one, for being on here as always. What do you want to say before we wrap things up? We've been. Here I just want to say love and laughter, everyone. I'm sorry, I'm just just really really late for me. I just want to say love and laughter to everyone who listens and even those who don't from TJ and the grumpy old man. Well, sorry to keep you late past your bedtime, grumpy old man. Test your time when you wanted a little bit of sleep. It's uh, but it's one o'clock in the morning, bro. That's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe not for you, but for me it is. Hey, man, I just had some caffeine, so I'm good to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, grumpy. Thank you for being on here as always. Um, thank you for tuning in. We will be going live tomorrow on TJ and the grumpy old man. You can find that in the link in the description below, uh, on Facebook, YouTube, or, uh, Twitter. It's on a face. It's on the YouTube linked section here. So if you go over our page, you'll be able to find that as other pot, other, uh, channels. We'll be covering the, uh, Kansas city chiefs game against the Buffalo bills tomorrow. And we've got the TJ and the grumpy old man podcast thereafter, but grumpy, Thank you for being on here as always. Thank you for your time, your devotion to talking Islanders. Um, and thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll be going live. The next Islander game we cover um, will be Tuesday. Um, get a little bit of a break, Grumpy. Get a Monday. Get our Monday off, Grumpy. Get one day off. Good for me. Oh, yeah. But thank you everybody for tuning in. And thank you again, Grumpy old man. My pleasure.